Hello there, and welcome to May Fight Club. I'm your host, Manny G. Today we're talking about Bellator 291, Amazov vs. Story coming up on Saturday, the 25th of February, with an 11.30 a.m. Eastern Start Time. Perfect time to get your appetizer, get your palate wet for UFC later on in the day. Unfortunately, I believe with your 18 total bouts in this card, it may run long, it may run into the UFC card, so at some point you can just like bail out of this card and then go over to UFC or whatever you want to do. Anyway, 18 fights in the card. We're going to just be talking about the main card in particular. We will cover one fight in the prelim card and then give you just an overview, general overview of the rest of the prelim card. But the main card is our focus here. We'll go over each of those fights one fight at a time. A few betting spots that we do like a lot and even a few dogs that we're on as well. In the main event for Amazon for Storley, I can tell you right now, we think Storley gets the win here. He gets revenge in that fight. Anyway, with that said, guys, let's jump into it with the first fight in the card. Here we go. We'll start off with the only fight in the prelim card we're going to be talking about. That's Stephen Hill versus Joel Coyada, Coyaja. I'll try the best I can to say that name. We're going to just do that one fight from the prelim card, and the rest of this is going to be just the main card only. We chose this fight, though, because at first glance, it was pretty easy to sort of get an idea of what's happening here. <laughs> and we like the favorite here at minus 400 as a parlay piece. We figured we'd throw him into our breakdown, cover it real quick, and, and move on. So let's talk about these fighters in detail. Let's go over their particulars first, right? Mr. Hill, Mr. Hill, undefeated fighter out of England, by the way, at 6-0. That was the first thing that we noticed. We're like, okay, 6-0. He's fighting a guy who's from France, who's 7-9. Okay, take my money. Now, at minus 400, the only reason why, again, we're talking about this is because it could be a parlay piece. We love playing parlays here. We understand the risk. There's inherent risk in every bet you take. But we like to grab parlays that we feel are very, very solid. And if they're minus 400 pieces, we'll, we'll take it. In this case here, we couldn't help to note 7-9 versus 6-0. Clearly, who does Bellator want to win? Come on. You know, let, let's just be, let's just keep a spade a spade here. So, welterweight bout, 170 pounds. You've got Stephen Hill at 6-0 out of England, 29 years old, 6-foot height with a 73-inch reach. Now, for Joel, we're missing some information on him. No age. Looks like he's in that same age bracket, probably early 30s. 6 feet height, so same height. No reach on him. He's out of ATCH Academy. And for Stephen Hill, he's out of Sparta MMA. Again, Joel is from France, 7-9 and nine overall. Now, his record, though, interestingly enough, kind of turned around. If you're looking here on Tapology, it shows that he's 4-1 in his last five fights, and that is true. He did. He turned things around. Now, granted, he turned it around until his last fight. <laughs> last fight, not only does he get finished in round two by Matthew Bonner. Okay, that's never a good look. But on top of that, you know, Matthew Bonner, 13-8-1. He's definitely fallen quite a bit from grace. But it's that he gets submitted by one arm. A one-arm rear naked choke. Oh, no. <laughs> Come on, dude. You know, I was just giving a whole complaint about uh, this Perez girl, Alien Perez, her fight against Stephanie Egger. She tapped out before the before Egger could even get her second hand, you know, going. And, you know, come on, man. Try to fight it for a second. You ever seen Volkanovski, guys? So <laughs> in this fight here, you had a little bit of that going on. And that was his last fight. It was back in May, a little, a little less than a year ago, right? And not impressed. Wasn't happy about that one. So Steven, in our calculations here, is a full level above Joel. Not maybe levels, but at least a full level. Like, you know, he's at a place in his career where he's looking to keep moving forward. He's, you know, he's chopping up opponents. He's undefeated. He's got good overall game. Joel, maybe he's taking a vacation to Ireland. Like, hey, you want to fly me out there? I can go on vacation a little bit. I'll fight for a little bit as well if you want me to jump in there. 
because I don't know how he's going to be able to compete with this guy, Stephen Hill. Hill has finishes in six of his seven pro fights, so he's a big-time finisher, high finish rate. And his opponent, Joel, was finished in his last fight by a one-arm rear-naked choke. Only took one arm. <laughs> Submit this guy. Yeah, yeah. And again, the opponent was Matt Bonner, 13-8-1. Now, Joel, 7-9 overall on the regional scene, making his Bellator debut. Poo-poo-poo. Poo-poo-poo-poo-poo-poo-poo. <laughs> so, clearly, Bellator is going to feed. Like, here you go. Here's Stephen Hill. Here, here, I mean, Stephen Hill. Here's a, here's a slab of meat from France called Joel Koyaja. And Stephen Hill, go ahead and eat. Feast on him. Eat this man like a, a shark eating a, I don't know, a piece of an old whale or something in the ocean. It's going to be ugly. And I don't know how Joel, well, here's what Joel's going to do. Joel's going to find a way out of there fast. <laughs> that's that's my prediction. If it gets too, you know, like gets too hairy, he's he'll find a way out of there. He's not going to get himself too beat up. Remember, he's on vacation. He's on vacation. He's just there to just, he's you know, come by the arena, catch a check real quick, keep it moving. I'm just joking, but could be on vacation too. The bets we like for this fight will place Hill into one or two weekend parlays. For example, like tied into some Bellator. This is Bellator. Tied into some PFL, tied into some UFC. Heck, be a full degenerate, tied into some XFL. XFL football's back. All right, that's another subject matter. Leave that alone. But whatever you may get me into, maybe you're into some hockey, maybe you're into some basketball. Basketball's now back after the All-Star break. You got college basketball too. So a lot of stuff you could probably get into. I think this is a slam dunk. I like Stephen Hill at minus 400. He wins this fight most likely by a finish. I'm going to go first round finish. Joel has an engagement to go to that night. Him and his girl going to dinner. He needs to get out of there fast. First round. First round, Mr. Hill. Now, can I just peruse the rest of the card with you guys for a second? Since we're at this point, we're already here, right? Um, I can at least talk you through some of the points in the card that I thought were interesting. And things that I might do on the fly myself. So my own little degenerate gambling habits of my, what I might do on this card. So first find the card is Kassan Magomed Sharapov versus Rafael Hudson. Problem with this fight is Kassan is at minus 1,000. You see, Rafael Hudson, he is a replacement for Bailey Gilbert. Okay, whatever. He's 7-4. and four. He's, he's not... All the way bad, actually. If you watch him on film, it's there's some things he could do. He's actually decent, but you see what's going on here. You know they have a seven and zero Russian prospect. Bellator is like, if we can get this guy to like fifteen and zero, you know, like it'll be our like UFC version of the you know the you know everyone's trying to be like the UFC. <laughs> they want to get a bunch of high profile fighters. They could pad their records as much as possible. And there's several of these fighters on this card. There's several of them on the card. So, Kassan Magomed Sharapov at minus 1,000. All right, fine. But here's what I'm doing with this fight. Okay. If I'm going to bet this fight, I'm going after Rafael Hudson, right? Let me explain to you how. So, Rafael Hudson, who's a BJJ guy from Brazil, right? Look at his record. His first three fights of his career submission, submission, and a counter trip. Fourth fight of his career knocks out a guy named Tehran Pedro. I thought I said Tyson Pedro first. I'm like, what? <laughs> then he goes on his fourth, uh, his, uh, excuse me, his, uh, then he goes on to his fifth win against a guy named Arola. Head kick finish. Sixth fight finish. His last fight submission win. This guy has never won any other way except for by a finish. Capiche? And by submission seems to be his preferred method, being from Brazil. This kid, Kassan Magomed Sharapov, he looks really young. He looks young. We just saw this shit the other day. 
You know, we just saw uh, that prospect coming over from wherever he was from, 23-0, and people fell in love with it, and it really blew up people's faces. Look at the profile pictures of these two guys. Kassan Magomed Sharapov looks like he could pass for a 14-year-old, and Hafel Hudson looks like he could pass for some kind of a role in a Gladiator movie. Just saying. So I'm going to take a play on Hafel Hudson here. I think Magomed Sher I think Magomed. It is Magomed. I think Magomed Sharapov probably wins the fight, of course. But give me a dabble on Hafel Hudson at where is he sitting at now? Plus 625. I mean, if there's a prop available for Hafel Hudson inside the distance or by submission, I'll find a way to get it. If it's available, I'll put it on our tip sheet. Check back later on. Again, subscribe to our newsletter. You can get that full tip sheet before this event kicks off. And uh, yeah, that's my play on this fight, though. I'm going to go after the underdog. So next fight in the card, we covered already Stephen Hill versus Joel. Moving up to Daniel Scotese versus Dmitry Hrstensenko. Uh, oh my gosh, why am I even trying to say that nearly? Dmitry, 7-0 Ukrainian fighter versus Daniel Scotese. Now, I got a tip this week. I can't give you this source because the source is too close to the action. The source told me that Scotese is looking phenomenal. Uh, best he's ever been. I've watched his prior fights. I've been underwhelmed at times, and other times I've been slightly impressed. He is a guy who has room to grow. He's a fighter that is not too old to be making big improvements. And so maybe he is making the improvements that we need to see. At 12 and 6, you know, it's one of those things where you worry. Like, he's 12 and 6. He's fighting a guy who's 7 and 0. But, man, again, profile pitcher shouldn't be everything. But look at the profile picture of this opponent, Dimitri. Tell me it doesn't look like he's, like, literally 14. He looks really young. Not broad-shouldered, and so I'm thinking this is a Ukrainian fighter who's 25, about to be 26. At least Katizi's been on the Bellator scene a little bit. If I had to put money down here, I guess I'm going to go with Katizi. The thing is, he's sitting currently at what price tag is he at? Katizi, Katizi, where you at? He's minus 215. I don't feel the confidence to even parlay him. So I like Katizi to win the fight. I'll be staying away from this one altogether. Just don't have the conf confidence and don't have the time to really break it down thoroughly to give myself, you know, a real good lean either way. So, sorry. Moving on. Next fight, Kenny Moko Moko no, no no Kenny, all right? Kenny. Kenny versus Craig McIntosh. Kenny is 4-0 and Craig McIntosh is 3-4. Who's going to win the fight? Yeah, okay. Kenny's also from Ireland and Kenny right now is sitting at this is going to make me laugh. These these lines are hilarious. He's just at minus 900. Yeah, no, minus like hundred, minus one fifteen. Sorry, minus one thousand, one fifteen on Bet Rivers. You know why? I get Bellator wants to build up their fighters, but why? Like this is just you know they have like eighteen fights in this card. Right? Get some of these guys out of here. Get get some wins. So he will win the fight. Just I don't think you should bet on it. In this case, I don't see a, a reason to put money on Craig McIntosh. No. Next fight, Elena Kalianodo. Kalianodo. Elena. Versus Jenna Bishop. I wanted to break down this fight because I have some type of a weird obsession with women's mixed martial arts. I feel like since they don't get enough attention, I should try to overcompensate for them. Weird little bit of a, a shtick I have. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to go with Jenna because she's 4-0 undefeated and she's wearing a gi in her pitcher. Elena looks too pretty to be a good fighter. She's 9-4. And, and I hate to be that guy who's like, oh, you know, all people from this place can't fight or all people from that country can't fight. But... Greece, just not known for, for fighters, not in this, at least, at least this century, maybe back in the day, I don't know, but uh, she looks cute, and uh, she's got 9-4 record, more experience, she's closer to home, per se, 
But I feel like what Bellator is doing is the same kind of thing. They want to give Jenna a few more wins. We get a five and zero, six and zero, seven and zero. Start building that hype a little, a little bit. And uh, I like Elena. I like her to win the fight. Now, money line wise, what's the price tag on this? Elena, Elena, where's she at? Oh wow! So Elena's plus one twenty, and Bishop's at minus one forty. I may have to put a sprinkle on Bishop at minus one forty because it's you know it's barely above even money. I don't know. Maybe I'm a degenerate. Leave it alone. But I like Elena. With, I like Jenna. Jen. Jenna. I'm sorry. Jenna to win the fight. Let's take it by. Actually, you know what? Let me look at her profile real quick because she's wearing a gi, right? You're thinking if she's wearing a gi, probably submits people, and she does. So we'll take we'll take her by submission. Her she's two of her last four wins have been by rear naked choke, and then before that's a ton of grappling. Yeah, yeah. We'll take Jenna Jenna Bishop to win the fight. Look at that. Open up the tapology. All of a sudden, you start getting clues. Next fight, moving up the card. Liam McCracken. <laughs> Liam McCracken versus Asal. Uh, Juji, oh, listen, some of these last names are killing me. I'm going to just call him Asal. Last name is A-D-J-O-U-D-J. 4-1 overall. Decent record. Where's Liam sitting at here? Liam McCracken. That's a great last name. A pick'em fight. Asal is at minus 125. Liam at plus, one, at plus 105. I'm going with Liam because he's the English fighter. He's undefeated. You can't sell me on French guys. Well, that's not terrible. You can't sell me on these French prospects. I, I feel like that's a country that does a lot of amazing things. Food, wine, entertainment, the arts. and Combat sports is the last frontier, okay? And some people say, oh, well, Cyril Gaon. I think Cyril Gaon doesn't represent the, let's say, the, the way you want to see heavyweights fight. Put it that way. Super talented, but like not the kind of guy where it's like, imagine if all the heavyweights were like Cyril Gaon. That's, that's what I'm trying to tell you. Like It wouldn't be the most entertaining thing because... It's got a bit of the French in him. It, it, it just, you know, polite and very, you know, technical. Don't want to get cut. Don't want to get my fingernails dirty. <laughs> okay. Enough talking about the French. I love me some French people. I'm just, you know, based on experience, I don't see them as being producing, let's say, for example, Dagestani type of fighters, right? Dagestan, Brazil, you know, those areas of the world tend to produce certain type of fighters and Brazil tends to, you know, they're on the top of the world with that, right? <clears throat> anyway, back to this fight. I do like Liam to win the fight. I will take him by a decision. Next fight, Dara Kelly, who's 2-0, who's Irish, against Doravel Jordan, who's 2-2 two two from France. Who's going to win the fight? Kelly's going to win the fight, guys. Now, I like Kelly a little bit. Only 2-0. Got a big personality. He's the kind of guy who likes the cameras. You can't bet the fight, though. You know why? Because he's minus 900. Oof. I don't believe that Dorville Jordan has a chance in here at all. I've watched some of his fights before. He's very vanilla. Dara Kelly is a bit of an animal. He might be a little bit like screwy upstairs. He's a, he's a violent dude. But minus 900, no bueno, not touching it. He'll win the fight. Next fight, Piotr Nedzelski. Nedzelski, I believe his last name, Polish fighter. So Piotr versus Richie Smolin. Now, Richie Smolin is 9-2-1. He's the Irish fighter. He's the local guy. Against Piotr Nedzelski at 17 and 4. At first glance, because Piotr's favorite, right? Piotr is favorite at minus. Where are you at, Piotr? Hiding from me. There's, you know what the problem is? Too many damn fighters in this damn card. Piotr's minus 260, Mullen's plus 220. Give me Mullen here. Smullen, I mean. And here's my thinking, okay? Piotr Nedzelski, who's coming off of a win and has a good record, don't get me wrong, 17 and 4, strong record. All tatted up. Looks the part. He's got a tattoo on his chest that says body chef. Please tell me that's a 
Jesus Christmas. <laughs> got a tattoo in the middle of his stomach. It says body chef, and it's got a chef hat there on top of it. No bueno. Um, so massive winning streak. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine wins in a row. And along the way, he picked up some wins over at least people you might recognize. The main one being Pedro Carvalho in the last fight. But that was by split mofo decision. Look, I'm fading Pedro Carvalho in this fight tonight or this fight in this card. I like the guy, but he's got holes in his game. When I look at Piotr and I'm like, wait a second, you went to a split decision with Pedro? If you look at the way Piotr's built, you're like, okay, at some point, if he fought Pedro, he should be able to get to the chin of Pedro. Pedro's been knocked out recently. He's had some chin issues. And Piotr couldn't do that. So I, I think he's he's priced incorrectly here. I think people are seeing the 17 and 4 maybe, the physique, the tattoos. You know, it looks tough. You know, it looks like Tarzan. But, you know, we'll see. Does he play like Tarzan? Does he play like Jane? Give me the, the Irish kid. Give me Richie Smullen. And, I, look, Richie Smullen has a lot less experience. I understand that. He's coming in here now off of what? He came off of a loss? No, off of four wins in a row. So he's coming in here off of four wins in a row where he had three straight finishes, two submissions, and a TKO. Competition level was, ugh. you know what I mean? It wasn't even Bellator. It was RFP. I don't even know what that is. So, yeah, I mean, there's question marks here. He's getting the shot, though, back here in Bellator because, of course, he's from Ireland. They got a whole prelim card to fill up. He gets a shot here. I, I like the kid to get a chance to win this fight. I'm going to take him. Richie Small, and now am I going to bet on it? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not going to bet on it. <laughs> okay, moving up the card. Next fight's going to be Richie Small. Brian Moore versus Luca Lovine. Here again, now, this one is going to be a little bit closer, right? Let me look at the, the odds on this one. Too many fights, too many fights, too many fights. Luca Levine at plus 300, Brian Moore at minus 400. Interesting. That's interesting. Why is he so favored? Oh, well, see? <laughs> so Brian Moore is the Irish fighter. Some of it might be that. Luca Levine, 18 and 8 from over in Italy. I w Here's what I would do with this fight. I'm going to give you some good advice. I'm not going to really pick because I feel like this minus 400 might be inflated for this Brian Moore guy. Moore is 15 and 9. He's not holding a very high winning percentage. Now, Luca Levine has lost eight fights himself, too, but he's got 18 wins, technically a higher winning percentage. I remember seeing him fight before. He's not all that bad. My gut tells me to take a little shot on the dog here at Luca Levine. I have to do a more of a thorough breakdown. I think I'm going to look closer at this for my own well being for this weekend, but I'd be cautious here of laying the, the wood at minus 400, right? For. Brian Moore. I'm just double checking. Yeah, minus 400 for Brian Moore. Seems out of, <clears throat> out of place. Doesn't seem to make any sense, but uh, we will move on. Next fight. Norbert Novinjai Jr. We'll just call him Norbert. Versus Andy Manzalo. So Norbert is 5-0. Looks like a pretty good prospect. And he's up against Andy Manzalo. Andy Manzalo's got a lot more experience. 26-9 and overall record. Pretty cool topology photo. But this fighter Norbert from Hungary is he's pretty legit. Only 23 years old. To me, this is classic case of we're gonna build this kid up, give him a older fighter, a journeyman like Andy Manzalo, who will make the trip, will make a good you know account of himself. But let's be real. Andy, who's from Estonia, is 38 years old, dude, fighting the regional scene and holding his own, yeah. But when you look at his record, for example, or who he's been fighting against, you're not gonna recognize a lot of the names. And he's on a, what, three, four, five winning streak? Yeah. But, you know, he's uh, he's not that impressive. That's my point. He's not that impressive. I think he fits the bill for what they need, which is a guy to come in here and just test Norbert a little bit. 
But the 23-year-old Norbert, who's out of London Shoot Fighters, a very good gym, surrounded by a lot of good fighters, I think he fits the bill here. Now, where was the line at? Minus 340. I like him as a parlay piece. The way I liked, for example, earlier Clark, I, I or later on in the video, I like Clark. Um, I like him the way I like uh, uh, Sierra and Clark on this card because I feel like even though you're paying a little bit of chalk here, parlay him with confidence. I believe he's getting he's getting all the right hype here. He's priced accordingly. He's fighting a journeyman. Norbert's going to win the fight. He's not terribly too far from home, being from Hungary. Even his flag, if you just kind of turn it, my little, he's from Ireland. So give me Norbert Nova Novinji Jr. to win the fight. How does he win it? Give me one second here. Oof, what's his topology like? By submission. Give me Norbert by submission. I'm going to say round one submission for Norbert. Most of his submissions are in round number one. So we'll take the round one submission here over Andy. And Andy, look, welcome to Ireland. Take a vacation, my friend. You know, go, you know, take a little set sightseeing, take a few days and extra in the hotel. Get around. <laughs> okay, move up to the next fight. It's going to be the 11th fight in the card. Gokum Sarakam versus Oleg Popov. Gokum is 8-1 overall versus Oleg Popov, who's 15-1. So two guys with very good records. I didn't look at this fight at all. Oleg is at minus 195. Gokum's at plus 165. It's tough to go against a Gokum because he's pretty damn good, Turkish fighter. But give me the Russian. He's got a little bit more experience. Probably has fought a few cans. I haven't looked at his film at all. Give me Oleg to win the fight. I will not be betting it at all. 12th fight in the card. Charlie Ward versus Mark Shipman. Shipman is 14-4. Ward's 10 and 5. Where are they priced at? You got Ward at plus 175. Shipman at minus 205. I do like Shipman. The English fighter's pretty good. I think he's priced accordingly. Minus 205. I might even play that. Give me Shipman to win the fight by decision. Next up, Carl Moore, another Irish fighter against a Polish fighter. First name is Majik. Last name is Rozanski. Rozanski looks pretty legit. Guy's thick. He's 14 and 3 overall. Carl Moore, the Irish fighter, is 10 and 2 overall. Also kind of holding his own. Where these guys price tag here? Carl Moore, Carl Moore. Carl mm -hmm. Moore and Majik Rozanski, right? There's so many freaking names on this. <laughs> okay. So Carl Moore is at minus 145. Rozanski at plus 125. Oh, you know, I probably won't bet this fight at all, but give me the hometown kid because if it's going to be a close fight, we're going to edge the hometown guys. So that finishes up the prelim card for you guys. Again, we only did one prelim fight actual breakdown in depth now the rest of the fights in this card which are all main card event uh, main card fights those will be deep dives very thorough in-depth breakdown giving you all the knowledge you need to make the bets accordingly so here we go let's jump into it right now all right boys and girls moving up the main card next fight's going to be a featherweight battle at 145 pounds between a fighter from ireland his name is siron clark you may have heard of him undefeated at six and oh very exciting prospect they're bringing in a Nice hot piece of meat for him to beat up. Leonardos Sinis, uh, S-I-N-S. He's got the Greek nationality, so Leonardos Sinis. Kind of sounds a little bit like the Papalis, all those different type of Greek names. Anyway, before I get into the breakdown here, it's not going to be a very deep dive. I'm, I'm quite confident in Clark that he's going to win. I'll tell you, I like Clark to win the fight by a, let's say, round two decision. Right? I'm sorry, round two. <laughs> Listen to what I just said. Three-round fight. Round two, submission. That's how I see this thing playing out. Again, I get these pad-the-record vibes here. I'll talk to you about it. I think you'll agree with me. The one caveat here is that he is young, Mr. Clark. Uh, he's made some mistakes, been in fights where he was a big favorite, and it got a little greasy, that kind of thing. 
And, uh, you know, so we haven't really fully seen what he's capable of. I think at minus 365, this is a bargain. This is a, this is a bargain. If by Saturday this is over minus 500, I'm not surprised at all. I thought it would have opened in that range anyway. So, you know, we'll go through it. I'll talk you through it. Hopefully I'll get you on the right side of the, on the, on the betting side here. Let me pull up also, I should have already had it handy. But let me also pull up the notes on these guys. And now is a good time to remind you that if you don't know, now you know. Down below here in the description here on YouTube, in the right down below, right there, just click that little down arrow and stuff. There's a few important links there. One of them is to our Google Drive page. If you go there, there's shared folders. And like one of the folders that I'm accessing right now, which you could access from anywhere, you have internet, is to access all of our fighter breakdown notes and an Excel sheet that's Pretty impressive, I might say. It's got film links in there, fighter data, fighter comparisons. It's uh, very neat, very clean. You can download that. You can take it, you can copy it, you can do whatever you want to with it. You cannot edit, of course, on Google Drive because you're not the manager, not allowed. Anyway, back to this fight. I'm getting a little bit off topic here. In going into the notes here for Siren Clark, kind of a cool name, right? Like Siren, like, like a Siren. So my write-up on this is pretty short and sweet. We like him by round two submission. Sinus, or Sinus, however you want to say it. I'll just call him Leonardo's. He is coming in as a replacement fighter. I just want to put it out there. He was The fighter was supposed to be initially Kier Harvey. And that was another guy who I thought Clark was going to beat up. So they're bringing this guy on several weeks notice. Leonardo's first fight in Bellator. You know what I mean? Tough way to make the debut. It's, it's like that in the UFC as well. You know, guys coming in, making their debut, uh, getting a last-minute call. I, I tend to fade those kind of fighters. Anyway, the biggest mismatch on the card, at least from my perspective, it may not be this fight. There's a few other fights on the prelim card that are really, really wide. But on the main card, this probably is going to be the fight that's going to be the least amount of competition and the least competitive. And it does open the main card. So it's not like it's the co-main event or nothing like that. But uh, it is the opening of the main card. And for Clark... Young guy, 27 years old, nice spot from SBG Ireland, fighting in Ireland, good grappling skills, his ground strikes, very busy on the ground, submission skills, pretty damn good. I gave him a half a submission in one fight. I'll explain to you how. He has three rear naked choke submissions as a professional, but then he had a guy dislocate his shoulder one time, so that, that's got to kind of count for a submission, right? So he's got four finishes in, what, six total fights, very high finish rate for a young man our concerns for him though number one his last fight he was a minus 650 favorite and he went into the final round possibly 1-1 yeah that's a little scary he came back down to earth here a little bit i think partially because of that that showing right and the guy he was up against was eh, okay but uh, he struggled a little bit speed i don't find clark to be the fastest dude uh, he's a, a powerful guy. He's a good wrestler. He's not slow. That doesn't run out of energy. Just not super quick. So let's say he fought a very athletic guy. I can't think of someone offhand in that division. But someone who's very athletic, like a patchy mix, you know, quick twitch type of muscle. I think that's where he's going to, you know, the rubber meets the road for him. He's going to have to adopt some different techniques, get better at takedown offense. Because I think on the feet against guys that are quicker, we'll, we'll see some problems there for him. And then one more thing about the young man, Mr. Clark. He's a bleeder. He will shed some blood. 
even when he wins, it's just well, obviously he's undefeated, but uh, he tends to bleed. And that in a close fight, that could be a problem. Now, as for Sinis, not as much information on him. No gym listed for him. He is right-handed from Greece. No offense, but we don't really have a lot of Greek fighters in any top promotion, so he would be one of one. He's got a wrestling background. He's a wrestler, 30 years old. Decent submission skills. He does have six submission wins, um, and his last two wins were by submission as well. He specifically likes chokes, so anything like rear naked choke, Dar's choke, that type of thing. He looks strong. This guy looks like a linebacker. He's pretty, you know, he's, he's, he's thick, not fat. He's thick. So he has a strong physique. You know, he, he looks the part, put it that way. Now, according to topology, he should also be the taller fighter and have a little bit of reach, too. And if he's the kind of guy where he can fluctuate weight a lot, you know, he could gain more weight overnight, he should be possibly the bigger fighter in this matchup, for whatever that's worth. My concerns for Mr. Leonardo's sin as the Greek fighter, he's making his UFC debut. UFC debut. No, he's not. He's making his Bellator debut. Inconsistent. He's 2-3 and three in his last five fights. He was finished in two of those fights, by the way. Now, check this one out. In his last 11 fights, he's 5-5-1. Five, five and one. That's literally down the middle. 500 record. In what? Cage Warriors? No. LFA? Something competitive like that? One championships, maybe? No. No. Matter of fact, if we pull it up here just for shats and giggles, what are the name of these promotions? Because I didn't recognize them. We're talking about places like WCSA, GMC, not so terrible, Rebel FC, MCP, AACP, just joking, Hamara MMA, Roos FN. You know, some of these promotions, like M1, I do recognize that one. He lost that fight. I mean, this guy had a three-fight losing streak from 2018 to 2020 where he fought three fights, got finished in two of them, and then bounces back last year with two wins over guys that are I mean, Mohamed Kur Ahmet. Mohamed Kur Ahmet, who hails from Greece as well, is 2-4 and four overall. And Leon, uh, my man right here, Leonardos, he beat that guy by a Kimura, round two. The other guy he beat recently, Jane Kumala. Kumala is 16-11-1. And God help me if that's his tapology photo, if that's a real tattoo. Woo. These characters you find on Tapology. So bottom line, he just hasn't fought anybody. And even when you see him fighting, for example, the fight against... Who was the guy he fought that I looked it up? Oh, John Paligaligos. John Paligaligos. <laughs> 2017, rear naked choke, round number two. Look it up. It's on the internet. If you want to save some time, just go open up our Google Drive folder for UFC... I'm sorry, for Bellator 291. That's up there, available on our Google Drive. In there, you'll see links to the fighter films. There's a link there for this fight. 2017, John Paliagos, Paliagos, another Greek guy. They square off and fight. And let me tell you something. Watch that fight, and there's no way you come out of this saying, I'm going to put money behind Sinas. He's on top of this guy, John Paliagos. He's got good position. Things are, you know, Things are, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, he's on the bottom. He's on the bottom. Things are going terrible for him. He's getting controlled. He's fending off submissions, right? And this guy, John Paliagos, who's in perfect position. Things are going well for him, right? Good. Round two. Round one, he won. Round two, he's winning. Motherfucker goes for a heel hook. He does the, like, he, he leaves top position, leans back, goes for a heel hook. Can't get it. 
starts grabbing toes, trying to do like, you know, Asian lady massage, manicure, pedicure, whatever. While he's messing around playing footsies, my man over here, Sinus, got somewhat of a brain. He transitions and gets on top of this guy. And <laughs> you see right away this guy, John Polyalgos, is like, oh, that was a mistake. He takes a few strikes, nothing too crazy, but then he gives up his back. And lo and behold, and I was watching before that moment. Like, I'm like, how does he win this fight? It says here he won round two by submission. I'm like, what is going to happen? That's what happened. So he pulls some stuff like that. He pulls those kind of antics here against Mr. Clark. He's going to get night-night submitted. I like the round two submission by rear naked choke specifically. That's how I see it happening. I think what we end up happening, I think we have a close first round at first. I think when this guy, Leonardo, comes in here first round, he's somewhat fresh. Remember, this guy's got a little bit thicker of a physique. I wonder, will that slow him down? I wonder, will that create some problems for him at some point where he's just gassing a little bit? Looking at his prior fights, you know, he, he definitely slows down. Let's put it that way. He definitely slows down. So, all right. I'm not done here talking about Sinus. <laughs> Good, strong physique, size advantage, Bellator debut. We talked about that. Competition, yeah, very low level. I believe he's being sent out to slaughter. I'm not a matchmaker. I'm not a professional uh, mixed martial arts uh, agent, promoter, anything in that you know realm. But this shit looks pretty obvious that he's going out here to get his ass beat. And thank you for the trip. Appreciate you guys sending me over here to Ireland. I will go in there and do the best I can. For durability, it's another concern. For Mr. Sinis, he has been knocked out in round one of two of his last four fights. So maybe we see that happening. All right, let's go here and read through the quick write-up that I put together, and we'll be done with this fight. So we like Clark by round two submission. That's our prediction. We mentioned before Sinis is a replacement fighter. Not very late notice, but still a shortened camp, and he probably needed a full camp for this, right? The biggest mismatch on the card, possibly, this will be. If not the whole card, at least in the main card. And for Sinis, this is going to be his Bellator debut. Out of his element, over in Ireland, which is where our man Clark is from. He's at home. We mentioned before, Sinis is 5-5-1 five, five, and one in his last 11 fights. Does 5-5-1 five, five, and one in promotions, like we mentioned before, does that kind of record lead you to believe that he's going to have a successful mixed martial arts career. He's going to start racking up wins. He's going to go into Bellator now, right? And go like eight and two or some shit like that. It's, it's almost, it's almost damn near impossible. You don't go five, five and one in those promotions. That's not two, three fights. Like if he was one, one, it's 11 fight sample. That's a good sample size. My man is captain average on the regional scene. Have I convinced you yet that, this is a good spot to parlay, Clark. Have I convinced you yet? Don't go crazy and put $300 up to make 100 bucks on this guy. I'm parlaying Clark with a lot of confidence against this character, Mr. Sinis. All right. So if anything in the first round I mentioned before, I could see Sinis having a little success in round one. He's got the energy. He's a wrestler too. He did reverse position in that one fight and got the finish. So he's not completely outside of his element on the ground. I think he has the most success of the fight in round one. And could he even win round one? Shit, who knows? Clark can make a mistake. He starts bleeding. He'll, 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 go, he'll go in there ready to bleed. That's how Clark is. He takes any kind of shot, he'll start bleeding. 
little bit of blood, maybe round one, you know, judge get a little bit, whatever. So, but I think round two, Clark comes out, same energy, same pace. And we start to see the dive in the gas tank department here for Mr. Leonardo's. If the fight gets anywhere near round three, Leonardo's is going to just tap from fatigue. He may not even come around the corner. Remember I said that. So, um, looking at my notes here to make sure I'm not forgetting anything. Yeah, so poor cardio. Sloppy grappling from Sinus. Yeah, so you when you're tired, you're obviously making mistakes. That that goes for anybody. If you're you're running long distance, if you're playing football, whatever you're doing, you, you know they say that that phrase is you know your fatigue makes a coward of us all. And it's not to be literal, but it's just like you know your, your body takes over. Your mind's like no, I can keep going. Your body's like no, I can't keep going. When Leonardo's body starts to say I can't keep going, his mind says I can keep going, and his punches become ugh. And everything just becomes, ugh, everything just gets real slow. And we know in the case of Clark, cardio is not a problem. My man's got a lot of energy. So I could see the fight becoming an issue of cardio, the demise of sinus becoming partially technique, rolling to his stomach, setting up that rear naked choke. A few more notes here. So Clark has three submission wins in his first six fights. That's a 50% submission rate. And all of them have been by rear naked choke, I believe. He did have a fourth win we mentioned before where a guy dislocated his shoulder. So currently sitting at a 67% finish rate. Now, those Sinis won his last bout. He was defending submissions throughout the entire time. I mentioned before in round two how he's one minute like this guy has him. <laughs> Next minute, the guy's just making bad moves. But you just kind of, I watched that film in passing. I wasn't watching it closely. And I'm uh, rolling around. Oh, they're rolling around. Next thing you know, I see my man Sinus is like fighting off a rear naked choke. I'm like, geez, not looking good. And then again, his opponent just messed things up and basically allowed him back into the fight. Clark is going to have opportunities to submit Leonardo's in this fight. That is a fact. That is such an important fact. He's going to have opportunities to submit Leonardo's. Will he get the job done? I, I'm willing to put a good amount of money that says maybe not in round one. When Leonardo is, is fresh, it is going to happen in round two or three because of the high motor of Clark and the poor gas tank of Leonardo's. I've said it now four or five times. <laughs> so if it happens and you don't bet on it, you don't take our advice, ah, that's all I can do. I can't force you to put the money into the right spot. But I would highly consider looking at some type of bet here with Clark uh, into the distance or by submission if your book offers it. And at the very least, parlay the dude, right? So you're going to see Clark being pretty aggressive with takedown attempts. He'll look to drain the gas tank. He's going to want to test this guy. He knows it's his first fight. Um, and the bottom line is how long can Sinus survive? Clark's going to have opportunities. I would even say if Leonardo's can get to round three and they get submitted in round three, there's some level of a moral victory there. Does UFC, I mean UFC, I keep saying UFC, debut. Bellator debut against a good fighter who's undefeated. He's not supposed to win this fight. Okay. He's not supposed to win this fight. Just want to make sure the memo gets out to everybody. He's not supposed to win. I don't think it's going to be fixed, but he's not supposed to win the fight, right? This to me is a, a clear example of padding the record. You know, last fight, he was minus 650. Oh, shit. <laughs> Maybe that guy was too good. Take a step back. Give him some dude from around the way who's got a decent looking record, but, you know, hasn't really fought anybody. Bring him in here. Go Ireland. I mean, let's be, let's remind ourselves. This is the business of entertainment. 
right? Okay, so the betting spots that we like for this fight, not many, but they're specific. We obviously like Clark as a parlay piece. We talked about that through the entire breakdown. So look at that at minus 365, maybe add it to another leg or two, get some value. All signs are pointing towards Clark winning the fight. All the arrows, all the hints, all the math, all the clues. It is a fight still. It is two grown-ass men. It is combat sports, so anything is possible. But staying in the realm of reality, no banana peels, no last-minute injury issue, or something outside the realm of normalness, Clark wins this fight by submission, most likely in round two. If your book offers a round two submission prop for Clark and it's sitting like Let's just take a stab. Let's say it's plus 600 range, right? I think it's worth a sprinkle. You know, you put in 10 bucks, 15 bucks on it. You get a nice return. Um, if it's plus 400 range, plus 300 range, then I'm probably not messing with it. It's just not enough of a return. So I'd like to see something around plus 600, if not better. I would have to imagine the round three pop is going to be just outrageous. By the way, I just like shocked myself. I don't know if you saw that. I was like... <laughs> the round three submission prop is going to be probably like plus... 1500, you know, something like that. And then round one is probably going to be somewhere around, I'm guessing now, some, I don't know why I'm playing this game with you guys, but plus 400, somewhere in that range. But I would look at those props to be safest, safe man's bet, parlay it, parlay it. For our full tip sheet for our parlays, prop bets, individual bets, and our specials, all you got to do is go down below here on YouTube. Click the link for our Substack newsletter and subscribe. It doesn't cost you any money. There's no spam. You get maybe at most two emails a week from us. You can use a Substack app if you want to, which is on your phone. You get the email from us or the newsletter, I'm sorry, from us, which has a full card breakdown all written up for you nice and neat. Each fight, one fight at a time. Easy to read if you want to read it. Of course, you have this portal as well. You can come to our YouTube channel and also just hear us talk about the fights. Maybe you're just lazy. You want to lay back and relax on your couch and hear me talk to you about mixed martial arts. It is also available on our podcast. So just about everything you see here in the channel is also available via podcast. And for me, I'm a podcast listener. It's difficult to be in your vehicle driving. And especially when you want to fast forward, forward or backwards, and it's a YouTube video and it's so not safe. You're driving and you know, I do it sometimes. I'm messing with the phone a little bit and I love when I could use podcast forums to be able to listen to what I'm trying to listen to. So for the young people out there that are starting up YouTube channels, it's not difficult to add the podcast aspect of it. Uh, there's a bunch of different tools to doing it. Uh, I use, what's the name of the tool that I use? Why am I having drawing a blank? I should know this. The tool that I use is Anchor. So Anchor is a great tool, anchor.fm. In any case, Everything we do here on the YouTube channel is more or less available through our our podcast. But going back to what I was saying before is if you go into our, uh, our links down below here, subscribe to our newsletter, you'll get access to our full tip sheet for these events. Like, for example, some of the specials that we have, right? We have specials for each event. And if you go into our tip sheet, you'll see them there. Usually they're coined by certain terms, like based upon where the fight's being held at. Just something cute to keep things lively. But we did have a special hit two weeks ago, and it was like $5 to win 2500 It was a long parlay, like 11 legs or some shit like that. It hit. You know, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. Or if you're just not trying, you're not going to win. 
Anyway, long story short in this fight, guys, I've talked a long time, talked when I should have, but uh, I'm here to keep you company. We like Siron Clark to win the fight, round two submission, slam dunk, let's move on. And the fight you've all been waiting for, women's bout, featherweight, 145 pounders. It's a rematch between Sinead Kavanaugh and Janae Harding. They fought back in 2018, like five years ago. Back then, Sinead was only 32 years old. Now she's 37. Life's kind of catching up on her. We'll talk about that. As for Janae Harding, the 6-6 six and six record is going to throw a ton of betters off her. I'm loving it. Keep the money coming in on Sinead because we are on Janae Harding to win this fight. If she doesn't do a repeat of their first performance, Janae will just win the fight going away because of better volume, more striking, more variety of strikes. We love Janae Harding in this spot. I realize we're probably one of a few who are raising our hands saying we love Janae Harding here. But we'll break it down for you, try to explain to you why we're on her. It's not just because she's a dog. If we didn't even see the money line, we would still pick her to win the fight. Um, but there are some things that are also going for Sinead coming to this fight. She is fighting at home, and she had a recent win. I think won three of her last uh, four fight, three of her last four type of things. She's kind of got back to winning ways. But 37 years old, 28 years old for Janae. There's just some things that we fear that Sinead can't overcome in this matchup. So looking at the particulars in these two fighters here, 145 pounds, right? Eight and five overall for Sinead, three into her last five fights. She's based out of Ireland, Dublin to be specific, 37 years old, 5'7 in height with a 68-inch reach. Giving up two inches in reach and about two inches in height. If you watch their first fight, that was fairly noticeable. The result was that Janae was able to come into range, pepper her with a few shots, nothing too hard, a little leg kick here, a little jab here, and then get right back out of range, use good footwork, and Sinead can never really you know, get off on her. Now, granted, there's only a one-round fight because of the cut stoppage, but still... That gave us a glimpse into what this fight could look like. And quite frankly, I cannot believe that Janae is the sizable underdog here. They fought before. And and she beat Kavanaugh. And she beat her handily. I have to imagine people are thinking it was the cut was like a lucky situation. No, with or without the cut, Janae was, was starting to give uh, Sinead a problem. And Janae probably won round one, even without the cut. Janae may have won round one in that fight and was looking really good, much fresher. Much faster, good movement, and Sinead looked like she was getting old and slowing down and couldn't keep up with the New Zealand fighter. That's just what I saw <laughs> based upon the film that I saw. Now, as for Janae Harding, that 6-6 six six record, yeah, it's ugly. 1-4 in, in her last five fights, terrible streak out of New Zealand. Now based out of Australia slash Thailand because she trains out of Tiger Muay Thai. Again, she's a taller fighter, a little bit more reach, and younger by nine years. Yeah, 28 years old, which means... For her, she's approaching her prime, right? She's about to get into her prime years. At 37 for Sinead Kavanaugh at this weight class, she is definitely past her prime. Now, we like Janae Harding by decision. That's our prediction. But we would not be surprised to see an exact replay of the first fight. I'll give you a synopsis of the first fight. They're going back and forth in the feet. And then Janae, who's a very long fighter, just takes an elbow and throws an elbow straight at Sinead during like an encounter on the, on the, on the feet. As if, it's a, as if it's a punch, just like coming down hard with an elbow. She hits Kavanaugh several times with that elbow, and then the, one of the times she hits her, busts Kavanaugh wide open. It wasn't one elbow either. It was multiple elbows. And real time when I was watching it, even the replay of the fight, I missed it. And I'm like, oh, wait, wait when did that happen? You replay, and you, you know, as you go down in slow motion, those elbows were not by mistake. They were not lucky. They were specifically shot right at a certain point. And I believe Janae Harding is going to try the same thing again in this fight. She knows that she can do it to her, and she knows that Sinead is a bit of a bleeder. So we would not be surprised if this fight ends the same exact way. Like round two, round three, K 
Kavanaugh is just bleeding too much, and they have to stop the fight. Now, Janae's 6-6 six six record is going to throw everyone off. They're going to say, oh, you know, 6-6, six six, 500-level fighter, regional scene, bad, 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 never, you know, never fought the UFC, whatever. But a closer look at her resume reveals that she's fought some actually good fighters. Now, I'm not talking about, let's say, I'm not saying Amanda Nunes, okay, not that good, but she still has fought some fighters that, you know, on the edge of the UFC, in the UFC, held titles or competed for titles in other promotions. So, for example, she fought Jessica Rose Clark and Arlene Blancal. She fought those two girls in two of her first four pro fights. Now, she lost both of them, but Jessica Rose Clark, JRC, she's in the UFC, and Blancal competed for a title in Bellator. Now, she's kind of you know slowing down now, but at one point, she was in a title match in Bellator. Now, after fighting those two fighters... She then fought Ramona Pasquale in her next fight. Now, Ramona Pasquale, say what you want to say about her. You know, she's got her limitations, but she is in the UFC currently. <laughs> she's in the UFC currently. And so that was her next fight for Janae, and she won the fight. You know, not a very impressive win because it's Pasquale, but still in the UFC. Then she goes on to fight Amber Lebrock. We did an interview with Amber Lebrock last year. Lebrock is currently in Invicta FC and coming into her own. Very good fighter, very long fighter. Not a bad loss to have in her resume. But again, Janae's coming into these, like fighting one good fighter after another. She didn't stop there. She went out to fight Kavanaugh <laughs> shortly after that. Uh, Motnakina, the Russian fighter. And then she fought Lee McCourt, who beat her. And Lee McCourt, say what you want to say, but she's got a high winning percentage. Pretty good fighter. The result is she's got a 6-6 six and six record because she's been fighting all these fighters. She never had the like, you know. Who's the guy Hussein uh, Askabov two weeks ago? Guy's like 23 and 0. She never had that. She never had the whole, you know, regional scene, give her a bunch of fights that are easy. She, from the rip, <laughs> she's been thrown in there with some of the best fighters that she could. I mean, not, not, thrown in there with some of the best fighters at her level at that time. And so as a result, you see her topology. It's just tons of red. You're going to have a plethora of young cappers out there, people who haven't been doing this very long. They're going to be like, oh, yeah, no, no. Sinead O'Connor, uh, throw into her parlay, minus 250, minus 300. She's at home. She's the, you know, SBG Ireland. Blah, blah, blah. I would I would be willing to wager that Tiger Muay Thai is a better gym than SBG Ireland. Just putting it out there. That that factory down there in, in, in Thailand is something serious. It's like, you know, you, you, you get dropped there. <laughs> you're in another world, and all you can do is train. So I do think there's a competitive advantage from the standpoint that Janae, who's a very good kickboxer, circles, good range, good kicks, whatever, is training in the perfect environment, getting better, approaching her prime years. As Sinead, who's from Ireland, training in Ireland at home, you know, kind of slowing down. So, yeah, anyway, that record's going to throw people off, but I, I, not me. Not me. I, I, she fought good fighters. In my humble opinion, based upon watching the film, and I encourage you to do so as well, when you watch her fight against Kavanaugh five years ago, 32-year-old Kavanaugh, in that moment, when Janae was only, what, 23? <laughs> okay, Janae was quicker. She was more powerful. She was more agile. The footwork was good. And then she comes in with these nasty elbows that were very technical. I mean, it's I'm a... I'm more of a stockier dude, right? Like I'm like five eight, five nine on a good day. So my arms a little bit more stockier. I I couldn't like throw an elbow like that in a fight with somebody. I, I'd, I'd be getting punched in the face because I have like no reach. That was technical what she did. It was beautiful, and you see moments there where it's like, damn, Janae's not that bad. <laughs> you know, she's not that bad. Going back to her fight against Jessica Rose Clark in her third pro fight, I thought she won that fight. 
They gave her the loss, but it was close. Thought she won. You know, two different paths from there. Obviously, Jessica Rose Clark has become a bit of a <laughs> a symbol. Is that a nice way of putting it? And uh, with Janae, fell to 6-6 six and six and kind of bouncing around. But I'm telling you, you watch that fight, and the, the, it, it answers some questions right away. Who's the more active fighter on the feet? Who has more volume? Who's just more agile, the better athlete? All those things point towards Janae. Excuse me a second. I'm about to sneeze. I apologize. Anyway, Janae effectively, in our opinion, has the better skill set, youth advantage, and if the fight goes a distance, she will pick apart Kavanaugh over the course of three rounds. Now, Kavanaugh is a well-respected mixed martial artist. She's a veteran. In many ways, she's a pioneer of mixed martial arts for women, especially in Ireland, not to mention across Europe. She had a little bit of a late start to her career. She was a five-time national champion in boxing. She broke into MMA 2014, about nine years ago, as an amateur. Fought a few fights, then went pro 2015 and got quickly scooped up by Bellator. Kavanaugh began her career 4-0 as a professional. Very good. Her second fight was against Sarah, uh, Zara Fyron, who's currently in the UFC. So similar to Janae, she wasn't getting any favors in the beginning of her career. She was having to fight some tough opponents. But she did beat Zara Fyron by decision. Both fighters lost to Arlene Blencow. They also both fought Lee McCourt. If you want to do some MMA math here, Kavanaugh beat McCourt. That was her last fight. Very good win for Kavanaugh. Nice bounce back. Whereas Janae Harding got submitted by McCourt in round two. There's some MMA math for you. So if you'd like Sinead O'Connor, did I say Sinead O'Connor? <laughs> by the way, Sinead O'Connor, first name obviously similar. I keep wanting to call Sinead Kavanaugh Sinead O'Connor. Sinead O'Connor is also from Ireland. So the name Sinead must be um, popular there. Remember her hit song, Nothing Compares to You. Yeah, let me stop singing right there. <laughs> anyway, so her second fight was against Farron. Wins the fight. Uh, they both fought Glenn Cowell. They both fought Lee McCourt. Went through that okay. And uh, in our opinion, the loss to Leslie Smith. I want to point to that loss. 2019, Kavanaugh loses to Leslie Smith. It's in our humble opinion. Leslie Smith is not a very good fighter. And that was the sign, I think, that Kavanaugh was had peaked out. The decline was starting to come around that time. And at that point in her career, she was going through maybe her roughest stretch. She was 1-4 in her prior five fights two-fight losing streak, uh, drops that fight to Leslie Smith, and you're like, whoa. Now, to her credit, she bounced back in her last four fights, has gone three and one, and her last loss was a decision loss, so it wasn't like she got knocked out. She beat Olga Rubin during that stretch, who's no longer in the Bellator. She beat Laner, who's also no longer in Bellator, but both those guys are Invicta. Invicta's comparable to Bellator. And then she also defeated, and then she also fought Lee McCourt. That's a good win. Lee McCourt is also from Ireland. So her win over McCourt is a quality it's a quality win. Put it that way. That that's that's the one outlier there where like if you like Kavanaugh here and you're like, oh, I want to play her, uh, you're looking at that fight. Kavanaugh is a brawler. She does her best work going forward, take a few punches to give a few, use her power, force her opponents, you know, cut the cage off, force them against the the, the fence, do some dirty boxing. She doesn't mind being a little bit of range. But it can't be like the first fight. It can't be where you've got, uh, you know, Janae jumping around, having a good time, kicky punchy and circling her. And, and, you know, you see Kavanaugh looking slow and kind of like kind of chasing instead of cutting her off. That was a bad look. That was a bad look. 
So it can't be that way. If it's going to be a fight where Shanae can win, it's going to be her backing up Janae, slowing her down, cornering her, landing some harder shots as opposed to trying to chase her around. This is a big cage, by the way. It's not like the apex uh, for the UFC. So it's a big cage, a lot of room, and that favors, uh, of course, Janae, who's very athletic and likes to circle with good footwork. <clears throat> so, yeah, that's my thinking on this. I, I will say this. When it comes to Sinead, she is fighting in front of her home crowd. A ton of people are going to be there. The volume's going to be up. Anytime she does something decent, the crowd's going to be, nah. Anytime Janae does something, it's going to be like, beep, beep, little crickets. That could help if it goes to the scorecards. I don't think it goes there. I think that at some point, Janae cuts her again, and it becomes a bloodbath, and at some point, they have to stop it because of that. Now, even if they don't stop it before that, if there's enough blood, it just looks bad, Janae will win the fight, You know, just the optics of it. Um, she's going to throw more volume. She's going to be more active. Now, if, if, if Kavanaugh rolls the clock, the clock, the clock back somehow here, Gets a takedown, maybe keeps her down for a little bit. Has a has a few moments against the fence. If if that could happen, then Shanae could win. But this line is not right, guys. And the line must be getting propped up by the fact that she's from Ireland, hometown, the crowd, whatever. People may be thinking their first fight was fluky. You got six and six. You know, people see six and six like, oh, that girl's terrible. Uh, I don't know. I'm not saying Kavanaugh's not good, but. She didn't look good against Janae the first time they fought. <laughs> okay, It did not look good. Um, and again, Kavanaugh is a bleeder. Tons of scar tissue. I'm watching that fight when she got cut open by Janae, and it wasn't like it was a bunch of shots. It was just one. It was just one elbow. Not great that elbows have a unique way of cutting people open, but it, it, you know, with all the scar tissue that she usually has built up over the years, boxing, Years of boxing now, you know, mixed martial arts. You see it on her face. She catches anything small, she's going to rip open. And that's not going to stop her from fighting, but it's going to affect her ability to fight. It's going to affect her in the scorecard, so on and so on. The betting spots we like the most for this fight are the fight going over a round and a half and Janae Harding on the money line. Now, the money line has Janae currently sitting at plus 210. Look, I hope it goes further because, quite frankly, I'm very confident in Janae Harding here. Not really quite sure the line is where it's at. Maybe there's something that we don't know about. Maybe she's got an injury or something. I'm not going to wager too heavy on it, but we're going to take advantage of this plus spot. And uh, the 28-year-old's nine years younger. Yeah, just give me Janae all day here. I thought the first fight was very indicative of what we're going to see in this fight. And so I'm sorry if you like Sinead. I'm sorry if you're a fan of the Irish fighter. We're not meaning to poo-poo her by any means. She is, a, like I said, a legend, pioneer, one of the first ever to come out of Ireland. Wish her nothing but the best. I think we're going to be watching one of her last few fights here. I think we're talking about three or four more fights before she hangs it up. Very well respected, very well known. But, you know, we're at a point now. Going to be 40 soon. And, uh, well, I shouldn't say soon. She's 37. But, you know, next few years she'll be turning 40. I think we're going to see the last few fights from her. And consider this, if she were to lose this fight in the way that I'm telling you that I think it's going to happen, which is going to be Janae outclassing her and looking very good, that's going to really dampen the value, uh, dampen the value, excuse me, for Sinead because now it's like you just got beat by that girl and you got beat by her twice and you got beat by her in this fashion. And I'll be there to defend Sinead and say, listen, Janae's record is not indicative of who she is. It's 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 a trap. It's a distraction. She's actually a really damn pretty good fighter at this level. I'm not saying she's an amazing world beater. At this level, she belongs. She she poses some some threats. She's looked better. She's made some improvements. She's only 28. 
maybe she's finally getting her shit together, right? So it's like one fighter on the way out, one fighter in the way in, and I just think that Sinead's going to be up against it here. So we like the fighter from Muay Thai, uh, I mean from, from Thailand to win the fight here of via New Zealand. So we'll take Janae Harding to win by a round two and a half-ish, round of three TKO, too much blood being spilt there from Kavanaugh, and the fight ends in a similar fashion. That's our prediction, guys. Okay, making our way off the main card, we've got a lightweight battle, 155 pounders. Peter Queeley, who goes by the showstopper, might recognize him. He held the belt there for a few months back in 2021. We'll go over that in a little bit. Against Bryce Logan, American, 33 years old, from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. South Dakota. All right, before I get to the breakdown with you guys, because I get a little bit long-winded, right? Let me give you the pick right off the bat. Queeley, by decision, is the prediction. Peter Queeley by decision. That is our pick. So this to me comes off as a, a get right fight. I think Bellator's doing him a favor. Their basics now 13 and 7 and 1 overall for Peter Queeley, 13, 7, and 1. 2 and 3 in his last five fights. So is Bryce Logan. They're both coming in 2 and 3 in the last five fights. So kind of like a, a rubber beats the road here, right? They both need to win. Queeley's 38. That is something I noted on my Excel sheet. If you get access to our Excel sheet, which is our Google Drive, you'll see whenever we do a red box on the age column, that's like a red flag, basically. So for Quigley at 38, we're approaching that red flag zone. 5'10", 74.5 inch reach. So Quigley will be the longer fighter. He usually is the longer fighter. One inch in height, 4.5 in reach. That is, uh, that's quite a bit. And Quigley's out of SBG Ireland, as in a ton of people on this card, actually, from SBG. Bryce Logan is 12-7 and seven overall. American fighter out of Sioux Falls, 33 years old. We already talked about the height and weight, I mean, height and reach. He's had a fight-ready MMA, another good gym. They've kind of slowed down the last few years in terms of producing as many top guys, but still a good gym nonetheless. According to the Tapology voters, Mr. Queeley is ahead 92% to 8%. Looks like the fans like Queeley. I like him too. Our analysis points towards him not only winning the fight, but we get the same type of, like, you know, bounce back, uh, or in the case we were talking about Clark earlier, Clark versus Nis. Like, I mean, Bellator is a pretty intelligent organization. They're, you know, they're in the second tier, right? They're right. They're they're somewhere way below the UFC, but way above a lot of other organizations. They market their stuff the best they can. They want to market their fighters. They want to build them up. They're, I feel like they're always in Ireland, right? They go to Ireland like twice twice a year. It feels like. Nonetheless, they've got these Irish fighters. They have a good, rabid fan base there. And getting a person like Peter Quilly back on track and contending possibly for some kind of a belt or again or something like that, you know, that is right in line with what they're trying to accomplish. See what I'm saying? So just don't, you know, don't, I'm not saying the fight's fixed. That's not what we're implying. What I'm saying is the opponent is being handpicked. Okay, that, that's, that's happening here. Is they're picking opponents that these guys can beat. I mean, if you don't know, when you're ho hosting an event, like in a city, like let's say you're ha having a domestic company here in the United States and you're you're hosting a, an event in California and you have some California fighters on the card, you're actually working with them to bring friends, family. You're trying to sell more tickets. They're actually part of the promotion. If you don't know, now you know. But they're part of like selling tickets and getting friends and family. And the promotion also tries to line them up with people that they can beat. So for example, the California guy who's fighting in California is going to get some like you know hillbilly from North Dakota coming across the country who's not as good, who wants an opportunity, but it's set up for the California guy to have a chance to probably come out on top. 
what we have here, Bellator for Bellator 291 in Ireland, you can imagine, I would say most, if not all of the Irish fighters are going to win their fights. And some of them are huge favorites. I mean, I, I didn't want to cover some of them because like minus 1000. Yeah, no, 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 thank you. In this case here, I think it's not a huge mismatch, but it's enough of a mismatch where you see, okay, Peter Quigley's 38, Bellator's trying to take care of him, get back in the winning column, make another run at it. Okay, with that said, that's like my disclaimer there. Okay, so Logan has good experience, fought LFA and Bellator. He can fight under both stances, doesn't back down from a fight, really tough guy, got a big heart. No one's going to question that. He enters the fight prepared to go, but basically he enters the fight prepared to go down on his shield. That's what I meant to say. Looking at my notes here, I was trying to read that, but he's the kind of guy where if uh, if push comes to shove, he'll fall asleep if you're trying to tap him out. I mean, try to submit him. He's not going to tap out. He's just the kind of guy, big heart, right? Unfortunately, <laughs> that's exactly what happened in his last fight. <laughs> okay, so I shouldn't laugh, but basically last fight, you know, he's, he's, he's going out on his sword little by little. He's He's getting tired. He's, you know, he's getting punched drunk, basically. He got dropped by a hard counterpunch. I mean, dropped bad. <laughs> it was a one-punch knockout. Referee came in, like, immediately, like, no, no, no. He got a pretty quickly, seemed frustrated by the decision, and was walking straight. It was the way he fell. My man fell like a bag of bricks. Not, not like nice, fluffy blanket. No, he fell like a bag of bricks. And so it was an ugly way that he fell. One-punch knockout. Referee came in and said, no more. That was a minute and seven seconds into the fight. That was his last fight. Just saying. <laughs> like, if you want to try for Bellator, maybe you're interested in fighting for Bellator one day. You know, I got some tips for you to go five, five, and one. Like my man uh, Sinus from Greek from 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 Greece, or you got my man over here, Bryce Logan, getting knocked out in a minute and seven seconds in your last fight, and now you're fighting Peter Quilly. Yeah, I I just feel like um, this Quilly. <laughs> Yeah, this is not an even matchup, right? Anyway, one-punch knockout. Uh, in his defense, it seemed to be a little bit like an early bit of a stoppage, but whatever. Uh, durability is a concern for us. He's been finished in three of his seven career defeats. So almost half the time he loses, he's getting finished in three to seven. He loses here by a finish, four, and then eight, four, eight. He'll be right at halfway. <laughs> Get those numbers right. I like even numbers. You know what I'm saying? He was just finished in over, what, just over a minute in his last fight. Another thing that we noticed about him is that he slows down considerably, considerably as the fight goes on. So round one, eh. <laughs> round two comes out like, whoa, is he walking in like quicksand? Like he comes out looking, you know those guys who they come off the off the stool and they're just like looking like, man, I want to sit down there for another half an hour. It's like when you eat a big meal and you're like, oh, I just want to, you know. Vegetate here and just do nothing. Well, <laughs> he gets that posture going. Comes out of the corner after round one, like ah, I wasn't really planning to do a round two. So I'm worried about his conditioning. If he gets out of round one somehow, you know, I don't know what he's gonna look like in round two and three. It's not gonna look good. His striking is sloppy at times. You you get the the lack of endurance, <laughs> lack of technique. He starts looking so labored. If you don't believe me, there's links in our Excel sheet. <laughs> I love talking about the Excel sheet, right? On a serious note, go down below in our description here on YouTube. You'll find the link to our Google Drive. In there, you'll find the Excel sheet I'm referring to. That Excel sheet has, you know, fighter comparisons. But for some people, the most important thing it has is the film library. It's got links, two, three, four, five links for each of the fighters for their prior fights. Sometimes it's not a fight. Sometimes maybe it'd be a highlight film of the fighter because we couldn't find a lot. Maybe a training session. 
maybe just a 30 second clip of them finishing somebody just to give us something to understand what they're about. So there are links there for these fighters. And if you pull up Bryce Logan, he is a good physically looking athlete. He's got the, you know, he's got the body and stuff, but you know, he slows down so much and then he becomes like this zombie where he's throwing so slow, his striking, it wouldn't do much anyway if he was landing those punches at that point. Now, Logan's last seven wins have been via decision. Go figure, right? So doesn't have a lot of striking power if you were thinking, oh, let me take a shot at the dog here, right? He's plus 135. Not much of a dog, which is really, is really weird. But plus 135, you're like, I'm going to get a shot, right? You know? Well, shot at what? <laughs> like a shot to beat Peter Quigley over three rounds in Ireland? What? I mean, it happened before Peter Quilly lost to what? Miles, who was that? Miles? That guy, Miles. I forgot his name. Uh, Miles, whatever. That did happen. I remember that fight because I bet on Quilly. I thought to myself, no way that this guy come over here and beat him. Now I got to find the name because it's kind of bugging me. It's eluding me. But uh, Miles Price, 2019. Yes. <laughs> Hot garbage. Anyway, um, yeah, so I, I find this to be like, here's a guy with no finishing ability, right? Last seven wins are by decision, so he can't catch Peter Quigley and knock him out. Peter's had a pretty decent chin over the course of his career, except for the time he got knocked out by Pitbull, but come on, it's Pitbull. My man Bryce Logan hasn't finished an opponent in over six years. I don't think all of a sudden he comes in here and finishes Peter Quigley. Matter of fact, the last person that Bryce Logan finished, this dude's name is Will Shutt. He shut him down. No, Will Shutt. Will Shutt's got a record of 23-30. And one. That's a lot of fights, but a lot of losses. So Quigley, he held the belt briefly. In 2021, he had the lightweight strap. He had a fight with Pitbull for the vacant belt. He wins because he gashes open Pitbull with a nasty elbow. I want to say he did that damage from maybe his back even. Like Pitbull was on top of him, from my mind, serves me correctly. And he's landing these elbows. And that was more or less the way he opened things up. And from there, it got so bad, they had to stop the fight. He gets the belt. And people are like, whoa, Peter. And you have, like, the crowds going crazy. That's one thing about this fight I look forward to. He tends to have music where the crowd, they're singing the music because it's a song that maybe it's the same walkout song every time. Maybe. Uh, maybe I'd skip my mind. But he does a song that, like, all these, you know, beer-drinking Irish people, they're proud. They're, you know, they're cheery. It's like St. Patrick's Day, basically, if, if you can imagine that. I, guess. I don't know why I mentioned St. Patrick's Day. But the point is... <laughs> It's a very cheerful environment. They're having a blast, and he's walking out, singing whatever song they're singing, and it's on the tip of my tongue, whatever the song is. But anyway, um, they're going at it, and then by the time he walks into the cage, he's got this thing timed so perfect. It's like, you know, he's got this shit down to the second. It's a crescendo, the climax of when he walks into the cage and the crowd is reverberating. Ah, you need to feel it, and you feel it. Like, he's... You know, your hair is standing on your back. Even if you're not there, I've I've gone and grabbed my wife from another room and said, honey, you got to see Peter Quigley walking out and all the fans are like mesmerized and their beer, they're spilling beer and no one's sitting down. There's no, there's you know, standing room only and people are, I love it. It's giving me goosebumps right now talking about it. If you've ever seen it before, you know what I'm talking about. And if you haven't seen it before, it's worth it. Maybe not worth subscribing to Showtime. Maybe not worth a pay-per-view. I don't know how they're broadcasting this event. <laughs> maybe not that worth it, but maybe you can catch it on replay. It's really cool. It, it gets it gets the people going. And so Peter, he he uh he lives off of it. He you know, he thrives off of it. 
and uh, and, the, and like the stadium becomes one with him. So with that, you know, energy coming in, I think he's gonna be super pumped, <laughs> super hyped. Every time he does something, the crowd's gonna be like, oh yeah. That ties back into what I said earlier. You know, Bellator is a business, the business of entertainment. You can argue that Bellator has gotten way more out of Peter Quilly than what maybe should have been. I mean, let's be honest. Peter Quilly is an average fighter. He's kind of average. But he had the belt for a second, got the Irish thing going. Whenever he fights over there, Bellator's selling out. Like on this card, he's not co-main event. But for co-co-main event, oh, this is great for Bellator. They're loving this. you know. So he's got a spot in the system for right now. This is his fight to lose. This is going to be just standing room only. The entrance, the entrance of the octagon is going to be amazing. And let's be let's be honest about certain details that we went over before. Let's let's re, let me remind you. Excuse me. He's got better cardio, better technique, and championship experience. He is by far the better fighter. Punto. Okay. The bets we like for this fight are Quilly as a parlay piece, loving it because he's sitting at what minus. This is wild. I don't get this price. Minus 155, yeah. Give me some of that. The fight goes over a round and a half, and then probably we'll find a way to the betting window for just Quilly straight up. Might just put a unit and a half on him right there at minus 155 because I just, you know, that's the way we see it. A few small details to go over just in case I missed anything. Quilly is out of SBG, balanced fighter, right-handed, out of Ireland. We mentioned before championship experience, has fucking competition. I will say this, though, outside of facing uh, Pitbull, he won one, lost one. Outside of that fight, he didn't really fight many people. So he's been fight fighting more or less a vanilla schedule outside of that fight. And yet he fought that fight, got a belt for a minute. Interesting, right? Finishing ability. His last three wins were finishes. That surprised me. Now, one of those wins was the Patricio Pitbull win, which was like more of a doctor stoppage. But the point is, he has flashed finishing ability in his recent fights. I think he can get one here. He can. The crowd gets going, you know. Queely, queely. Peter's very durable. He's only been finished once in 21 total career fights, and that one time was by Patricio. So it's like, you get a pass on that one, dude. He's uh, He hits with thunder. Our concerns for Queely or our criticisms or the cons versus the pros? The Miles Price fight. He dropped that fight by split decision in 2019. It was a terrible look. Has not aged well. That fight was in Ireland. We're watching it thinking like, nah, no way. Yeah. Yeah, wait, dude. Lost the fight. Benton Henderson. He lost that fight to Benton last year in Dublin. Also in Ireland. <laughs> they love him there. They're like, oh, we don't care if you lose, dude. Come back. Fight again. That's an indication of where Quilly's at skill level-wise. So, I, you know, I like talking about where are they at. Compare them to other fighters. It's not perfect in math, but, you know, who's, who are they losing to? Who are they beating? Benson Henderson, at this point in his career, you know, he's getting a little bit older, slowing down, but still has some skill. You can see that's the that's that's a level that 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 Quilly can't break through. Like Pitbull. He beat Pitbull the first time because the cut, the doctor, it was fortune situation. But when you know they face off again and those other factors of variance are removed and it's just a fight, he's going to come up short in those situations. Now at 38, he's got that going too, which is you know, gotta gotta think about that. He's approaching 40. And for this weight class, that's expiration time. You know, it's not light heavyweight or heavyweight. We're talking about a weight class here where younger fighters are the ones that, you know, run the day. Can he hang around a little bit longer at lightweight? Yeah. But he's going to have to win 
to stay relevant. He's going to have to win these fights, especially to stay in the proverbial driver's seat, right? One more thing about Mr. Queen that we noticed on film, you'll probably notice it too, holds his hands a bit low, so he can be hittable, can get a little bit cut up at times, because again, his hands are low. He's got a very relaxed posture, put it that way. It's it's not karate-like, but it's, it's, it's relaxed, so having his hands lower is part of that. But the reality is, you know, if you could have your hands up higher, Mr. Quigley, it would help you. I think it would help him. Anyway, long story short, we like the old man here, Mr. Quigley. We love the price tag. We'll take a few different shots at this. Again, if you want access to our full tip sheet, just go down below here on YouTube, click the link for our Substack newsletter, subscribe. It's sent right to you, right via email through Substack. That's a really cool system. They have an app. You can put it on your phone. We do not send more than two emails a week. So, for example, if you have this week, you're going to get an email for UFC, the full breakdown, written format, like what we're talking about right now, but written format, along with the tip sheet. You get an email for PFL. That's like four fights, though. <laughs> Small card. And their full tip sheet. And a third email, excuse me, would be the fights we're going over right now for Bellator. So the most you would receive from us in one week would be three emails if there was three events we were covering. But most weeks are one or two events. So like it's a PFL, maybe a small event, and a UFC event, or Invicta and UFC. And quite frankly, we might be cutting PFL out soon because that shit's been getting a little bit wonky. Anyway, long story short, if you want the full tip sheet for all of our bets, parlays, our our prop bets, our long shot bets, the, 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 you know, the, the individual bets we like the most, Go ahead, please subscribe to our Substack newsletter. It's also a great way to support our channel and support our content. Not to mention subscribing to this channel right here you're listening to and making sure you smash that like button. All right, boys and girls, that's your breakdown there. We like the old man, Peter Quigley, to win the fight more than likely by a... Making All sure right, I'm... next up, we've got a featherweight bout, 145 pounders, Pedro Carvalho versus Jeremy Kennedy. And I just want to say Jeremy Kennedy is one of my favorite fighters that you know you don't hear a lot about because he's not in UFC anymore but he had a little run in the UFC and just a guy that you, it's easy to root for him you know he comes off as uh, a bit humble and, and genuine and likes to fight he's um he had like a 3-1 record in the UFC when he was let go so it wasn't like he wasn't holding his own but uh you know just good old North American white boy from Canada and uh he's the kind of guy that you you like to root for so I am rooting for him here to win the fight on a personal level but I do think he wins the fight by decision. Now, that's my prediction on this fight, by decision. And it's going to be, I believe, a three-rounder, right? So it's not going to be a very long fight like the main event. But uh, I think over the course of three rounds, Jeremy puts his wrestling on. And if you know him, he is just relentless wrestling, just constant wrestling. Not the most exciting thing to watch, but uh, it gets the job done, right? Looking at the basics of these two fighters, let's talk here about Pedro first. 13-6 and six overall, 2-3 and three in his last five fights. A bit of a rough stretch. He hails from Portugal, now based out of Dublin, Ireland. He's training out of SBG, Ireland. There's a few guys in this fight card from SBG, so it's kind of like a, a team affair, right? 27 years old, 5'11 in height with a 70-inch reach. Height and reach-wise, there's a nominal difference there in reach, but otherwise they're the same size. Jeremy, who goes by JBC, 18-3 overall, 3-2 in his last five fights. We mentioned before, he's Canadian. Now based out of Las Vegas, where he trains out of Extreme Couture. He's 30 years old, so... Age-wise, surprisingly, Pedro is, is three years younger. I, I think of Pedro as being 30, and I think of Jeremy Kennedy being like 34 for some reason because he's kind of been around for a bit, but Jeremy's still very young. Only 30, hasn't taken much damage in recent fights, 
the the future's bright. I mean, heck, who knows? Maybe we see him back in the UFC. Maybe we see him back in the PFL because he had a run in the PFL too. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, let me go over their basics first. Actually, their their, their profile stuff before I read the uh, breakdown for you. I'll try a little different different order here. So for Pedro, he's a southpaw. We mentioned he's out of SBG. So even though he's from Portugal. He kind of has the adopted home court advantage, right? He'll have some teammates there. He's probably dated a few girls in Ireland, you know, that kind of thing. He's a balanced fighter, 27, as we mentioned before. He has three submission wins. One of them was in round one. And that's three submission wins over the course of, you know, 19 fights, not a high finish rate, right? Championship level experience, though. He has challenged for the title, most notably against Mike Perry. He fought Mike Perry. It didn't go very well. He got knocked out. <laughs> but um, he does have, you know, at, on his resume, he's fought fighters that are champions in the Bellator division. He's a Bellator veteran. He's got nine total fights in Bellator already. He's six and three in those fights. Not bad. Recently got into a rough stretch, but looking for now his 10th fight, and possibly his seventh win in Bellator. His striking, he does his best work on the feet. Good hand movement. It's good hand movement. Good, you know, good hand speed. Tends to let his hands go. It's fluid. Um, I mean, dare I say at times, he looks fabulous on the feet. You know, he just looks comfortable. On the ground, it's a mixed bag. He doesn't always look bad. He doesn't always look good. And against a guy like Jeremy Kennedy, he's probably going to be doing more of looking bad than looking good because of the way Jeremy fights. For Pedro, our concerns for him are durability, number one. If you've followed his career the last few years, had some bad knockouts. He's been finished in two of his last five fights. That's five fights, okay, whatever. But they've been knockouts round one, round two. And prior to that, he hadn't been finished in his first 14 fights. So you're talking about a guy who started his career off, you know, took a few punches, whatever. But then 2020 gets just mollywopped by Mike Perry, goes down. I think the referee kind of stepped in fast, but I guess the look on his face, the eyes rolling back. And that was the first sign that he might be a little chinny. Fortunately for him, he's going to have to worry about that in this fight because I just don't see Jeremy doing a stand-up game with him and trying to knock him out that way. I think it's going to be wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. But something to consider in the future, and full disclosure, even though I like Pedro Caballo, I have nothing nothing against him personally, having watched some of those fights where he got finished like that so fast, let me look at his tapology here, so I'm bringing up the name specifically, he got knocked out by Patricio Pitbull, not Mike Perry, I don't know why I said Mike Perry, that was a round one knockout, two minutes and ten seconds, then he got knocked out in 52 seconds of round two by J.J. Wilson, and those fights happened within five months or so of each other. It just looked to me like, whoa, we, we now know there's a chink in the armor, and it's the durability, it's the chin. When he f- moves on past this fight and fights other guys that are better strikers, I have a strong feeling that's gonna, that is gonna that is going to re- reveal its ugly head again. And a matter of fact, here's a future tip for you. If he were to win this fight against Jeremy Kennedy and get some momentum going, and he fights a good striker in the next fight, you're going to want to take that other guy and, and look at taking that guy by a, a KO. Because, again, I have serious concerns about the durability and the chin of Mr. Carvalho. Now, are the concerns for him are he's one in three in his last four fights. Very inconsistent. Hold his chin up high. So we've got ourselves a potential chin issue, and then he holds his chin up high. He doesn't duck his chin down like a lot of the good boxers do, and so it's there to be hit. Takedown defense needs improvement, and he's fighting who? Yeah, it's going to be a problem. For Jeremy Kennedy, 30 years old, out of extreme couture, He's a wrestler, orthodox stance, Canadian nationality. What's to like about him? A lot of things. He went 3-1 in the UFC. He went 2-1 PFL. He's currently 3-1 in Bellator. 
He's got a great wrestling foundation, very good cardio, so he can back up his wrestling attempts and takedowns for, for three full rounds. No problem there. Top control does a pretty good job, stays in top control, looks for submission opportunities, doesn't get them, but stays active. He's fought good competition. That's the one thing. You look at his resume. It's like he fought Volkanovski. He fought Borox. He fought uh, Aaron Pico. His win over Aaron Pico, okay, we, we got to you know put an asterisk by that one. Pico got hurt. It was a fluke injury, um, but it does look good on his resume. Does look good on the resume. He might end up fighting Pico again. I mean, I imagine in the near future. That would be a great fight because they, oh, they're both really good wrestlers. They'll be going back and forth. It'll be exciting for the people that like wrestling. <laughs> He's training at a very good gym. Kennedy, that is. We mentioned before, Extreme Couture. A lot of good fighters, a lot of good coaches. Just a great environment. And then finishing ability. Kennedy has nine finishes in his 18 career wins. 50% finish rate. That was surprising. I don't know that we see a finish here, though. Um, but he's got finishing ability. Now, what's the concerns for our boy here, Kennedy? Number one, he's he's one-dimensional. If he cannot get his wrestling going, he's a lot like Stor- like Logan Storley. Like, if these guys can't get the fight to the mat, man, whew, it's just, you know, it's kind of like, oh, what am I going to do now? There is no plan B. It's just plan A and plan A. <laughs> his striking is serviceable. It's respectable. It, it can get the job done, but it's not very effective. And at this point for Kennedy, who's been fighting for a while, he's been in the game for a little bit, UFC, whatever else, that's an area of the game that's gotten slightly better, but I think we're kind of capped out on the potential there for him and what he could do from a striking standpoint. And then decisions. He has finishing ability, but he's not been able to showcase it recently. His heavy wrestling style kind of lends him to these decisions, right? Because he's wrestling people that are good, you know, good durability. They're going to distance. The fights are ugly. Go to the scorecards and then anything's possible. All right, let me read to you the write-up that we have for this fight. So we like Jeremy again to win by decision. That's our prediction. We're pretty high on him, as you can tell by now. And nothing against Pedro, but Jeremy appears to us as the better fighter in just about every area except for striking. Jeremy left the UFC after a 3-1 run before taking a run at the PFL title in 2019. Didn't go his way. He's now 3-1 and in Bellator. And the bottom line to us is that Jeremy has proven that he could hold his own in every single level of every promotion in the world, right? UFC, PFL, now Bellator. High winning percentage in all his promotions. He enters this fight off of back-to-back wins over Sanchez and Pico. Again, the Pico fight, whatever. That's kind of an asterisk. But Jeremy, he uses a very heavy wrestling approach. We talked about that. And he prefers to work on the ground. Safe fighting style. Don't want to get knocked around, whatever. Controls opponent. His strong cardio allows him to wrestle harder for all three rounds. And Pedro's going to have a hard time with him because he's going to have to defend these takedowns for all three rounds. And quite honestly, unless Pedro puts on like a defensive wrestling clinic, which he hasn't done that before, he's going to eventually get taken down. Maybe not the first time, not the second time, third time maybe, <laughs> three times a charm. As for Pedro Carvalho, he enters this fight in the midst of the worst streak of his pro career. He's one in three in his last four fights. And he was knocked out in two of those defeats. He did bounce back with two wins in his last three fights. And his last loss was by split decision to Nizelski. And Nizelski is a pretty good fighter. He's also fighting on this card. Um, His first name is like Piotr. Reminds me of that Piotr guy. But anyway, uh, Nizelski, pretty good fighter. He lost to him by split decision. Now, Carvalho does his best work when he's on the feet at range, letting his hands go. His takedown defense, suspect. That's probably we're going to see the, the biggest issue in this fight for him. He can expect a relentless attack from Jeremy. Jeremy's going to be coming after him for all three rounds. He's not going to stop. Now, the recent KO losses for him, I don't know how much of it translates into this fight. I don't see Jeremy finding that connection to hit the chin. So I just don't see it happening. I mean, Jeremy's got some power, but I don't think those KO losses and durability are going to be a factor in this fight. 
Pedro's main focus needs to be on defending the takedowns. If he gets taken down, okay, whatever, no big deal. Get your ass back up. Maybe one round you get taken down, next round you don't. He can't be getting taken down every single round and then spending long periods of time on the ground on his back. He's going to lose the fight that way. If he can't stop the takedowns, he will lose. Pretty straightforward, right? We're going with Kennedy to win the fight by decision with his wrestling. And I think it's going to be pretty easy, actually, for him. I think he's going to be able to take advantage of his his just heavy wrestling approach. Carvalho's not a wrestling guy. It's a bad matchup for Carvalho. It's a great matchup for Jeremy. Jeremy's fought much better competition, been all around the world, fought in the UFC, and uh, I think he's just got the better resume right now. The spots we like from a betting perspective on this fight, we like Kennedy as a parlay piece at minus 170. Fight goes over two and a half rounds, and then Kennedy by decision is plus 130. We don't have the price yet on the over two and a half. That's not listed yet. But again, we like Kennedy as a parlay piece at minus 170. We're very confident in him here, and that price pretty good. Fight goes over two and a half rounds. We don't have that price yet, but we'll probably pull the trigger on that in a parlay depending on the, on the price. If it's too outrageous, we won't take it. And then Kennedy by decision at plus 130. That you know That's so tempting because, again, limited finishing ability recently, had finishes in the past against lower-level opponents. Carvalho has a weak chin, but that's not how you know we envision this fight going anyway. So I think the decision prop there at plus 130, I mean, that's pretty good value. It's, I mean, minus 170, maybe don't get too, uh, too stingy to just take whatever you can get. But we'll find some action here. And again, for our full tip sheet for exactly what we're going to be betting here, subscribe to our Substack newsletter. That link is down below. It's totally free. There's no paywalls or Patreon or, or different levels. It, it's all free, totally free. You'll receive our full tip sheet for all UFC events along with a full write-up for that, that event as well. So we do a video breakdown for you like this, but you'll get the full write-up as well as a tip sheet for all bets we'll be placing for UFC events or events like this for Bellator. So please subscribe to our Substack newsletter. That link is down below. That's your breakdown. Again, we like Jeremy Kennedy to win the fight by a decision. And we're up to the main event for Bellator 291. It's going to feature a rematch for the strap between Yaroslav Amazov, his first and last name kind of rhyme, versus Logan Storley. And if you don't know, back in 2020, they squared off and fought. Three-round fight at that time, and Amazov won by split decision. So very close match. I'll give you some overview of that fight when we go through the breakdown. Nothing too exciting, but it's... Uh, it's a lot to go off of in terms of when you're looking at this fight because they fought each other before, and only two, three years ago, and they haven't changed dramatically since then. Um, so I do expect to see a similar fight. As for the particulars of these two fighters, Yaroslav is 26-0. and 0. He's that guy you probably haven't heard of because he's on the belly belly, Bellator, but over there in that side of the world, he is, his nickname is Dynamo. He is Dynamite. So he is run, running through people right now, doing a great job, obviously on a long winning streak. Out of Kiev, Ukraine, I'm going to talk about that because if you've been living under a rock the last few years, you probably know Ukraine's been in the middle of a, let's just put it this way, they're in the in the midst of a conflict between like Eastern Europe and Russia, they're in the middle, they've been having an issue with, with Russia for a long time, but people are dying, it's serious, and he specifically, Yaroslav, has been affected by that, we'll talk about that in this breakdown. Anyway, Amazov, who goes by Dynamo, is 29 years old. 5'11 in height, 75-inch reach, trains out of germs. That's G-E-R-M-E-S. Sounds like I'm saying germs, but that gym, from what I recall, has a few good fighters from that part of the world. So good gym, good teammates, good coaches. As for the American, Logan Storm Storley, 14-1 overall, 4-1 in his last five fights. He is uh, from South Dakota, 30 years old. So he is in the same wheelhouse age-wise, only one year older than Yaroslav. 5'9 in height, about two inches taller is Amazov. And a 71 and a half inch reach, much shorter arms there for Logan than Yaroslav. In their first fight, 
I don't believe that the reach played a huge part. I don't think it did. It wasn't as if Amazov was piecing apart Logan or Logan was bleeding or, you know, being completely outmanned on the feet. And part of it was because Logan was trying to keep the fight close and grappling would not make sense, right? Okay. Let's get to our write-up on this on this fight. Not too long. Pretty right to the point. We didn't have a lot of time this week. We did PFL. We did UFC. Once we get a third fight card into the fold, it, it, things have to start getting cut back. And so what we did with this card, as you can see by now, if you're watching through the entire breakdown, we just had to just do a few fights in this card. We couldn't do the full card. Anyway, we like story by decision. That's our prediction. Again, we understand Amazon won the first time by split, but it was so close. In their initial fight, Amazov walked away with a narrow split decision victory. We feel like this time around, Storley gets the edge. And look, just from a marketing standpoint, and if you're playing crystal ball, and you're playing control the world type of shit, it's better for Bellator if Logan picks up this win, set up a trilogy down, trilogy down the line. Yaroslav is the current champion. It wouldn't kill him to, to lose the belt. We had that same thought process for the Islam Makachev fight, but it didn't work out that way because our thought process was if the USC was writing the script, if they were, not saying they are, but if they were, they would have had Volkanovski win the belt. Hear me out. He becomes double champ. That's that exclusive rare air, easy to market, right? UFC love to put that all over the weedy boxes. They don't do that anymore. Anyway, um, they could have ran that train for about a year. Volkanovski could have fought in the other division, defended his belt one time, and then like in a year from now, somewhere, some, I don't know, maybe back in Australia, they do the rematch, and it's just like a mega pay-per-view day. Everyone would look forward to it because it was so close in the in the first fight, and I thought that's going to happen, <laughs> but no, that wasn't in the works. Uh, the judges there didn't, not even one judge gave the fight to um Volkanovski. So yeah, sometimes the narratives are just off base, but I'm just mentioning that if you are writing a script here from Bellator's perspective, wouldn't it be nice if Logan Storley won the belt from Yazoslav? Yeah, I mean, I just feel like it would be better and it would set up again a uh, a third match, a trilogy, right? Everyone loves trilogies. So anyway, um, let me get back to this. I was reading somewhere. Okay, so this time around, we feel like Storley gets the win. Amazov did an exceptional job defending takedowns in their first fight. That's one thing I'm going to tell you about this fight. Save you some time. You don't have to go watch it now. First round right away, you see Storley going for takedowns. He is a very aggressive wrestling style fighter. <coughs> Excuse me. He has to wrestle. He's a bit one-dimensional, but he's good at it. He's got very good cardio. That's his whole game plan. Amazov spent... A good portion of that fight, I'd say maybe 15 to 20% of the time, he was in some type of defending the takedown, takedown mode. Being the taller fighter, again, from Ukraine kind of helps because that's a very you know, tough culture. Uh, wrestling's ingrained in their culture there. He defended takedowns very well. He looked good. And he's against a guy like Storley who's very good at takedowns. And so, yeah, that was interesting to see how well he defended takedowns for all three rounds. Both guys look fresh. Excuse me, that was a three-round fight. Mind you, this is going to be a five-round affair. I'm not sure who I thought looked more fatigued. I thought they both looked pretty good. Now, they've both been in five-round fights before, and they've gone the distance. So, matter of fact, last fight for Storley, he went five rounds. And Amazov, same thing. So, these guys, they've shown they have card in the past. Storley has been to decision. In seven of his last nine fights, I did notice that. So for Logan Storley, finishing ability 
not quite there. Not the end of the world. Look at Volkanovski. Volkanovski hasn't had a finish in, in years. And I brought it up recently, but it's true. If you want to give somebody the you know the, the the heavy crown, right? Heavy is the crown, they say. And you want to say he's the best for you know pound for pound fighter. I'm not saying he doesn't belong in the conversation, so please do not get mad at me for all the Volk fans out there. What I'm saying is finishing ability should be part of the conversation. Volkanovski does not finish anything. And uh, yeah, Logan Stoy's in the same boat. He does not finish many people. And seven of his last nine fights have gone to the scorecards. His only defeat was his last fight against Amazov. No, I mean, sorry, two fights ago against Amazov. And that was by split decision. So Logan Storley, with only one loss, could be you know undefeated in a different universe. At his age, Storley that it is, he should be making some big improvements, right? You know, he's still a very young fighter. I think he's making big improvements. He's probably improving some of his wrestling. I hope he has, <laughs> so he can win this fight. We see this fight going very similar to the first fight. Now, let's paint the picture for you. That first fight, no one got hurt at any point. There was no point where you're like, oh, you know, it's it, it's someone's stunt. No, they threw some heat. They connected. And then back to the clinch. You know, they separate for a little bit. Back to the clinch. So it wasn't very exciting. You didn't see anyone get hurt. No one got cut. Yes, it was three rounds. Now we got five rounds. I think shy of maybe a little bit of a bump or a bruise or a small cut, I think we see the same kind of fight. They know each other very well. Amazov knows he's going to get wrestled by Storley. Storley knows that he's got to have to pick and choose his takedown attempts properly because he's already now gone up against Amazov once and knows that Amazov has good you know, general takedown defensive skills. So I look at this fight as a remake, a rematch. I see Logan Storley winning the fight maybe by split decision. You know, last time with the split, this time again, Bills will get up to a trilogy. I would say this. If the fight is close, super duper close, there'll be that inkling in the back of the judge's head. You know, they're like, they're just people. And they'll be, no, they know, they know. You're going to say, oh, well, you know, last time he lost by split. Me and my buddy Bob over here. Come on, Bob. Let's get, let's get Story a win here. I'm joking, but I, I feel as if super close fight. He gets the edge this time. And he is the slight dog. It makes sense at plus 150. I mean, that's not slight dog money, but it's it's, uh, you know, it's not big time dog money. It makes sense. They fought before, right? Amazov won. So people are putting their money on Amazov expecting the same thing again. I can't give you a stat sheet or a number or a statistic to back up what I'm about to tell you. But off the top of my head, it seems often that when fighters are rematching, that in the rematch, the person who lost the first time somehow prevails the next time around. Just seems to happen quite often. And, you know, Amanda Nunez, right? She dropped her title and fought back. You know, got it. Um, I'm thinking of a few others right now. But the point is, in the rematch, Peter Quilly, who's fighting on this card as well, like, he beat, was Mike Perry. And it's like, you know, next fight comes around, you're, you're, you're thinking he could do it again. And he just gets mollywopped. I think Logan Story fights the same game plan. Has a little more success has a little more ground control time. Maybe he can fatigue Amazov later on. Amazov is the quote-unquote bigger guy. And then find some success in the championship rounds when it should matter the most. The betting spots we like the most for this fight are the fight going over three and a half rounds. The fight going the distance at minus 175. Storley by decision at plus 240. And then Storley by the split. If that gets offered, I don't see it yet in any books. 
Okay, some more details real quick on these two fighters. I want to make sure I hit everything here. The Ukrainian fighter Amazov is 20, 29. He's a right-handed fighter. He's got a balanced fighting style. So he can function on the ground and on the feet. 11-year pro career. Undefeated, of course, 7-0 in Bellator, 26-0 overall. Eight submission wins in his 26 total fights. That's not a high finish rate. But I did notice that the Anaconda choke is his favorite. He has four of those on his record. And he also has like a Darce choke. So he'll choke you out if, if you give him his neck. Though I didn't see him, let's say, get even close to a choke in their first fight against Amazov. Maybe that's, I'm sorry, Amazov against Storley. That's probably because Storley is just, you know, Storley is Storley. He's a good fighter, right? Amazov has a good finish rate. He's finished 12 of his 26 fights. That comes out to a 46% rate. What's my concerns for Amazov? He hasn't been tested that I have seen. Now, I've seen him be in some close fights. I've seen him take some good punches. I'm not questioning his heart or durability. Excuse me. I just, you know, he beat Mark Leminger. You know, like he beat an aging Lima who was losing constantly. He beat Storley. Storley might be the biggest win of his career. And how did he beat him? By a split. By his chinny chin chin. You know what I mean? So I, I just... I guess the, the jury's still out on him. And he's still young enough that we have a lot of fighting still to watch for him, right? So last fight, split decision win. Obviously, I like, I like saying this just because I like to play devil's advocate. But in another world, one more judge gives that fight to Storley. And, you know, things are different at this point. Storley gets the championship. Blah, 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 blah. So canceled bout. He was supposed to fight last year. I'm talking about uh, Yaroslav Amazov. He was supposed to fight last year. The bout got canceled, and let's talk about why. He's from Ukraine. He's literally dealing with on the ground. Like, he's from Kiev, which is one of the major cities in Ukraine, which is being bombarded by power outages, no running water. Uh, the, the power outages are not scheduled, you know. Uh, if it's in the winter, you know, you're screwed. Summer, you know, you don't have access to clean water or just running water. And from what I understand, it's not like, okay, these are all the, the the poor people in the ghettos of Kiev. No, it's it's normal people that are retired per, per se, maybe, or just you know people who've worked their whole lives, who, who have a pension, people who are living where they want to live, and they just happen to be in this, now it's a war zone. So he's got friends and family there. We've heard of other fighters, boxers, who've actually taken to arms to help with the military because they have a shortage of supplies and because they have a shortage of soldiers against the behemoth of Russia. This weighs really heavy on him. And I'm going to I'm going to suggest I could be wrong here. Oh, my nose is running. I'm going to suggest that the the monkey on his back of carrying all this and the distraction that it has to pose for him. I mean, it's one thing when you say I'm going to go off to camp for 6 to 8 weeks. I'll see you. I'll see you in 6 to 8 weeks. Mom, dad, my loved one, maybe my my children. And you come back and everything's good. It's not possible when there's bombings literally like every few days. Hospitals, residential neighborhoods, um, you know, places where people go to shop for food. This is a very ugly conflict. We don't hear about it here. We don't hear about it. It, 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 it was in the front news a good part of 2022. But, you know, once the news cycle moves on and it's no longer a popular story anymore, fatigue wears in and we go on to the other, the next tragedy, right? Well, the tragedy in Ukraine is still ongoing. And I believe that that is probably taking a toll on him. And I believe that's affected his training. 
I believe he comes in here and doesn't look as sharp as he used to look, and he deserves a pass for that. He is the champion currently, very well respected. He's a homer, loves his country, you know. So this long layoff was because of that. He canceled his last fight because of that, because he's like, listen, I got too much going on at home. I can't fight like this. So when you compound, when you compound that with this long layoff, because now when you look at his topology, if you don't look closely, June of 2021, we're about to be in March. That's almost two full years that he hasn't fought in the prime of his career, 30, 31. So I don't know, you tell me, does that sound like that conflict and that situation over there could be, you know, really weighing on him? Could be a factor as opposed to Logan Storley, who should be burning to get the rematch, right? Burnt, dying for the opportunity. So I think Logan Storley does it. He gets it done. From a betting perspective, we'll give you our tip sheet through our Substack newsletter. If you haven't done so already, do yourself a favor and subscribe to our Substack newsletter. You're probably saying, oh, oh, subscribe to the newsletter. Enough, enough. Subscribe to my shit. Wang, wang, wang. <laughs> Click like and subscribe. Well, look, to each their own. If you want a nice write-up, a full breakdown of every UFC event, not every Bellator event. We'll have some Bellator stuff this week. But for example, the full package of details, it's all in our newsletter. And it's totally free. It comes right to your email. If you subscribe to the Substack, whatever system, it's free. There's an app. You can download it to your phone. You're in the subway. If you're in New York City, you're in an Uber. You pull up your app. You start scrolling through the breakdown, facts, details, statistics, analysis, lines, odds. And the most important thing of all for people that are on the go because they don't have a lot of time to read all through this shit <laughs> is our tip sheet. We're working on three weeks in a row positive return on UFC events. We're pretty hot now. We had three plus three units last week, eh, whatever. Week before, plus nine units. We have a lot on the line this week. A week card, we found some good spots. But we can only tell you so much in the videos because we're going through breakdowns and I'm giving you details and I'm giving you whatever, analysis. The tip sheet that's available through our Substack newsletter, that's right there for you. We work hard on that. It's very detailed. It's Separate in sections, you have the prop bets, the parlays, the specials, individual bets. Everything's categorized, itemized, so you see what we're, how much we're placing, how much we have a chance to win. And then for those who want to keep us honest and keep us accountable for what we're doing, we update all of our results. So let's say, for example, you go to the Substack newsletter right now and you go to our Substack page. That link's down below, by the way, so if you want to do that while you're watching this video, the link is down below in the description for this video. There's a link there for our Substack newsletter. You go there and you'll see like a list of tons of different cards, our prior cards, prior events, PFL, Invicta, UFC. When an event is over, we go back in there to that article and we just update the results right on there. You don't get another email. We don't do that to you. But you always can go back. And if, for example, you go back and look at UFC Vegas 69 from last weekend, the Blanchfield card, you can see all the bets we placed, how we finished, where we lost, where we won. It's all itemized for you. That's our way of doing two things. One, giving you guys the information that you might need if you're doing some gambling. And number two, keeping honest with you. So that way we're not telling you on Monday out of this side of my, my mouth, wah, 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 I, I liked Andrage. 
And then Sunday, I, I knew I knew Blanche was going to win. <laughs> no, no, we don't do that. We don't do that. We keep everything consistent here. We give you our picks through our YouTube channel. We give you a full Excel sheet through our Google Drive page, which that link is also down below. You must do that. No subscription required. We share our Google Drive account with you where you can go there and open up a folder, for example, for UFC Vegas 70, right? You open that folder up. It's got a Word document for every single fight where you can go ahead and download the Word document or just look at it. Pros and cons of each fighter. Fighter stats, striking numbers, absorb strikes, takedowns, takedown defense, right-handed, left-handed, so on and so on. That's all available in our Google Drive, and there's a breakdown for each fight. So you'll see the, the name of the fighter. It'll be like, you know, uh, let's say main event, whoever it is, Blanchfield versus Andrade. There's a document. You can open it, download it if you want to. In that same folder for that specific card is our ever-valuable Excel sheet. And what is in the Excel sheet? Let me preach for a second. Film library. Yeah, you have four or five links deep per fighter in that Excel sheet. It's a one-page Excel sheet, not very complicated, super neat, color-coded, the whole nine. On the right-hand side, all the highlighted green links, they say film on the top, pretty point, pretty obvious. You can click on those links, watch the fights. Saves you a ton of time. I mean, I'm not going to say thousands of hours of time, maybe over the course of a few months, probably some thousands of hours of time. But definitely a few hundred hours of time you can be saved in a week by just taking advantage of our Excel sheet, our stats, our pros and our cons. That's all there. Even if you're a capper, do your own work. We always encourage people to do their own work, do your own research, of course. But this stuff is all free and available to you to use as a another resource, to use as a comparing notes to see do you agree or not agree. Even post-fight. So after the event's over, you can come back over, look at how we've done, Look at our Excel sheet. It's all there for you. We have our picks, the ones we're confident in, the ones we have medium confidence in. We even have a one to five rating system on our Excel sheet where we rate them on grappling, striking, experience, cardio, finishing ability. And each athlete will receive a one through five rating. And then you see them side by side compared and then we'll mark accordingly who's got the better rating in each category. That's all available on our Google Drive. Absolutely free. Take advantage of it. But don't forget to do what? Subscribe to our Substack newsletter, right? Okay, so back to this here. We're talking about Logan Storley now. Some details on him. One thing I do like is he's out of Kill Cliff, right? It's formerly Sanford MMA. They have so many freaking guys there. Like I, I, I'm trying to kind of in my head, like how they even schedule the gym hours because there's so many fighters there. And that's a good thing. Great coaches, great fighters. So he is surrounded by a tremendous environment. He's an orthodox fighter, means right-handed fighter, a wrestler by trait. He's coming out of a very good gym. He's back on a winning streak, won two fights in a row after that loss that he had to Amazov. His only loss was to Amazov. It was by split decision. This is the perfect opportunity for him to rectify the one thing that he kind of screwed up on, right, in his career. Now, what are my concerns for Logan Storley? The finish rate, we talked about it. He doesn't seem to have that in his arsenal yet. I don't see him becoming like a knockout puncher. That seems to be a little harder to get to that point. But could he get better at the submission ability? And since he's already grappling, yeah, that would be the area. It's like, let's see some improvements. I don't think he submits Amazov, who's you know very crafty in the ground, not known for his offensive grappling, but very good defensive grappling skills. 
And as for Logan, the other concern we have is he's one-dimensional. So let's paint the picture for you. If he cannot get takedowns successfully in, let's say, three of the five rounds, it's a five-round fight, I think it goes full distance, he's fooked. You know, he's fooked. He, he needs to get a good amount of ground time, control some, some elbows, some shots, attempt a submission maybe. But, man, he's going to have to do that for, let's just say, the better part of three rounds. So let's say if a round is five minutes, He's going to have to have that takedown going for, let's say, half of the round, right? So let's meaning, meaning like half of the time of the round. So let's say two and a half minutes for three rounds. That equals seven and a half minutes of time. That's a lot of time. I don't think Amazov's going to allow that to happen quite easily. But that's what Logan Storley is going to have to try to do. Now, back to our pick and why we're taking it. I think this is just an issue of math. Uh, you know, the math tells me that Logan Storley comes out on top. The math tells me if they fight five fights, it's going to be 3-2. You know, I mean, it's not going to be 4-1 or 5-0. If they fought 10 fights, they're probably going to be 6-4 or 5-5. That's what the math tells me. So, you know, Logan Storley is due. He's due to win. I like him in this spot. From a betting perspective, getting plus money, I don't think you get too crazy here. Um, But we will find a bet for him. And again, subscribe to our Substack newsletter to get our full bet tip sheet for this event. This is coming up on Saturday. We're going to hopefully have our tip sheet out no later than, let's say, uh, Thursday. Uh, maybe Thursday evening, if not Friday, just because we're trying to finish up everything else going on and kind of backlog on stuff. So that's your breakdown for the main event, though, for Bellator 291, Amazov versus Logan Storley. All right, boys and girls, we're at the end of the show here. I'm going to give you a quick summary of our picks to win. I'm going to start off with the prelim card, working our way all the way up to the main event. First fight of the card, give me Rafael Hudson, the 7-4 and four Brazilian coming in here as a huge underdog to upset Hassan Magomed Sharapov. You can get Hudson at like plus 650 in the money line. You don't make money betting favorites, especially at minus 1,000. So I'm going to take a shot here at Rafael Hudson. Next fight the card, Stephen Hill. Love him here. We talked about it. Minus 400. Use him as a parlay piece. Go for it. Next fight, give me Daniel Sliktizi to give Dimitri, the Ukrainian fighter, his first loss, moving him to 7-1, and one, and Katizi going to 13-6. and six. Next fight's an easy one. Kenny Mokohana. He is going to beat Craig McIntosh every day every which way in the cage, and he's going to move to 5-0. and oh. He's minus 1,000 in my line. Kind of weird, right? These weird price tags. Next fight, Alina Kalindou. Kalindou, she's from Greece, against Jenna Bishop. Give me Jenna Bishop. She's only 4-0. Decorated grappling background. I think she's going to be the fighter they're trying to build up here a little bit, moving to 5-0. and oh. Give me Jenna to win by submission in round one or round two. Next fight, Liam McCracken, English fighter, 3-0. Oh. I'm having him moving to 4-0. He's fighting Aziel, a French fighter. I think Aziel doesn't have enough to hang with this English kid who looks pretty good. Next fight, Derek Kelly, local kid, 2-0. Huge favor here against Dor- Dorvell Jordan, who's 2-2. Two two. Kelly rolls, probably gets a finish at some point in round one or round two. Next fight, give me Richie Samoan, the underdog, at 9-2-1 against Piotr Nedzelski, the 17-4 Polish fighter. You know, I just tell you real quickly, watching the film, I was not that impressed with Piotr, and he's the favorite here. Give me the underdog, Richie Smolin, who's a local kid, to win the fight. Let's say by decision. I don't know what's going to happen there, but he's going to win the fight. All right, Brian Moore versus Luca Levine. Torn in this fight, really torn. I, I want to lean towards Brian Moore. He's a local kid. This one's up in the air, though. When you got plus money with Luca Levine, it's very attractive. I guess I'm just kind of like, I'm not sure here. If I had to choose, I'm going to go with the local kid, Brian Moore. But you don't make money betting on favorites like that. So, you know, if I had to bet, I'm probably putting money on Luca Levine. Yeah, I gave you no I gave you no answers there, right? Uh, Norbert Novenge Jr. versus Andy Manzola. We're going with Norbert Novenge Jr. We talked about it. Good prospect. Exciting. 5-0 record. Moving to 6-0. Gorkum Sarakam, 8-1. Very good fighter. I think, though, he gets picked apart here by Oleg Popovov, who's the better wrestler, the better grappler. 
Popovac goes from 15 and 1 to 16 and 1. Move up the card, Charlie Ward versus Mike Shipman. Give me Mike Shipman, the 14 and 4 English fighter moving to 15 and 4 over Charlie Ward, who is the local prospect. Carl Moore, 10 and 2 versus Majik Rozanski. Now, Rozanski at 14 and 3. He definitely looks the part. He's got a good record. Carl Moore is a local kid. Another fight where I just can't get a good lean. I have to look more into it. I'm going to go with Carl Moore because he's a local kid. And he's English. He's got a good record. That's about all I can tell you. I don't know enough about Majik Rozinski to tell you he can win the fight. But at 14-3 from Poland, he's probably got some skills. They're probably going to be very evenly matched. And you'll find yourself uh, torn here when it comes down to picking a fighter. And on the main card, we talked about this in detail. We like Clark. We like Janae Harding, Peter Queeley, Jeremy Kennedy. And then, of course, in the main event, Logan Storley. Storley's the underdog, and so is Janae Harding. Feel real comfortable about Janae Harding. We talked a lot about her in, in that breakdown. But that's your picks. That's your summary for Bellator 291 coming up this Saturday. Again, could be an appetizer for you before UFC. UFC starts off later on in the afternoon. You can at least get a handful of fights. Let me tell you something. 18 fights is cool and all, but for from a breakdown standpoint and, and doing film study, nightmare. I'm glad I didn't, didn't do the full card. I'm glad we only did a part of it. But... Uh, Hopefully, whatever we gave to you guys today was good information. Don't forget, look down below in our description here. There's important links down there for you. Number one, the newsletter. Subscribe to our Substack newsletter. You get our full tip sheet for this event. So the tip sheet's not out yet. It'll be released sometime in the next 24 to 48 hours, but you get the full tip sheet arriving to your email with all the bets we're placing on this card. If you want to trail us, great. If you don't want to trail us, fine. Maybe use it as comparable notes. We are a little bit on fire recently. You know, Back-to-back weekends, making plus money in the UFC, so... You might want to take a look at what we're doing over here. It seems to be working for us recently. But anyway, subscribe to our newsletter. You get all the access to our tip sheet, our full write-up breakdowns. It's a great newsletter to subscribe to. You get like one or two emails per week. We don't overdo it. We don't spam you. We don't give your emails away, nothing like that. And then, of course, our Google Drive. If you don't know what the Google Drive is, basically it's a Google folder, and it's accessible by everybody. You can go to there, that folder. You can download our fighter notes for the fight breakdowns. You can access our full Excel sheet where you have a whole list of information from fighter links to film links to records to comparable information like who's got the better fighter IQ or better experience, who's got the better cardio, so on and so on. That's all in a nice, beautiful Excel sheet. The card we're talking about right now, that Excel sheet is available online right now for you to go look at it. You could download it, use it as your own template. We provide it for every single event we do on these breakdowns. So when we do a breakdown here on video, we're going to incorporate all of our background, all of our notes, all of our stats, and now we're sharing that with you guys through the Google Drive system. So go down below, click on that link for the Google Drive, start to peruse that. You'll see there's like, for example, this week we have PFL number five. There's a folder for that. UFC 70, there's a folder for that. And then, of course, Bellator 291. All three folders designed nice and neat for you. Open the folder. You'll see a breakdown for every single fighter, individual Word document. You can download it. Then it's a nice Excel sheet there. You open the Excel sheet and you've got a whole plethora of hours and hours and I mean maybe thousands of hours of information not in that one sheet but all together combined it's a lot of information if you're a capper use it to compare with what you're doing don't have to take our advice but use it to compare if you're just a fan it's a great way to get information about the fighters get to know them a little bit better maybe you like to gamble on sports and you just didn't have enough time this week all right to look up some stuff use our excel sheet where you have four or five deep of film links for each fighter you can go watch prior film Makes it a lot easier for you. You don't have to go searching for film. It's all right there in our Excel sheet. Anyway, enough talking. Thank you guys for joining us. We appreciate you guys being here. Please like and subscribe to this video, to our channel. Like and share with your friends. We'll see you guys soon. Deuces.